Hello and welcome to another Film Flashbacks episode on the Auto Archives podcast. The basic format is, each episode we select a year at random between 1989 and 2019, talk briefly about that year in movies, our least favourites, our top five, along with some honourable mentions and some recommendations. This time around we took a look at the year of 1997, a year in which Tony Blair was elected as Labour Prime Minister, J.K. Rowling releases the first of the Harry Potter books, Diana, Princess of Wales, was killed in a car crash in Paris at the age of 36, and the famous kids' TV show The Teletubbies graced our screens for the very first time. But it was also a great year for movies. Listen now to hear Max and I share our views on the movies released in 1997. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome back for another Flashbacks episode. How are we doing? I'm very well, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. So, today we're going to talk about the year of 1997. Um, and we'll go through our top five and our <clears throat> bottom three in a moment. But I thought I'd quickly catch up on our homework that we got to do from our last episode, where you were to go <laughs> and watch, as you shake your head, um, watch Tyrannosaur. And I was to go and watch Shame. So, Two really nice, upbeat films to go away and watch, which is good. So, um, I see you shaking your head. So, I'm dreading what you're going to say for Tyrannosaur. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on the film? So, before I say anything, I will say beforehand, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked it. I thought it was a good film. Thought it was very, very good film. Saying that, <clears throat> I, I thought it was very clever that the writer and the producer of this film decided to list every fucking possible worst thing in the world that could happen to a person and put it all in one film. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. If this wasn't like kind of homework and if if it wasn't for the pod, I probably would have switched it off after the first like 20 or 30 minutes because it was so, so bleak. Like... When a film starts with a bloke kicking his dog to death, kind of kind of sets the tone for the rest of the film, and you think, "Oh my god, that's awful." That's like a little appetizer, little cheeky little starter yeah. to just get to just get your taste buds tingling for what is the rest of the film, which is just like, "Oh, good. Oh, that's happening. Oh, okay. That. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So that. Yep, yeah, that's happening as well. Cool. Oh, there's going to be that. Oh, okay. And it's just, yeah. it's it's. But do you, do you feel it kind of? redeems itself it's like his character peter mullen's character which i think is brilliant yeah um he kind of does redeem his character i think by the end from what i remember it's been a long time since i've seen it but it's not just bleak on bleak there is a lot of like redemption i guess in there and there is a lot of you know it's not just bleak for the sake of bleak you know there is a lot of character development in it and it, it there is you know exposition as to why they're like that and there is a lot of you know there is a lot more to it uh it's just it's it's just a it's a heavy film it's a it's a you know it's two characters who turn their life around and you know 
there's a ray of hope at the end of the film some 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 semblance of you know hope at the end mm. but my god do you go through some <laughs> bleak raw horrible stuff to get there like it's just yeah. you tr- you you your hands get covered in shit digging through the the <laughs> the, the horror to get to the, the the little golden nugget at the end which is like oh okay so it might it might the, the little, the little bit of sweet corn yeah, it just yeah, like it was um it was a tough watch, but yeah, it yeah. was it but it was very good. I'm trying to think there is a film actually I was trying to think the whole way through that it reminded me of and I couldn't for the life of me think what it was. So I have to I have to do a bit more research and think about what it was, but there's definitely a film that I've seen which was on the same nowhere sorry, not the same par as it, you know, from a story wise, but the same kind of, you know, a character from right from the offset that you don't really want or you know don't like or whatever you can't see any kind of you know goodness in them and they turn around obviously it's you know Taylor's oldest time but there is there is I, one I, particular film that I feel I feel like it's the English version of Gran Torino <laughs> yeah <laughs> like the bleak bleak British version of, yeah. of an otherwise relatively upbeat Gran Torino yeah I mean I wouldn't even I don't know I mean Grand Torino had some laughs, to be fair. Yeah, that's what I mean. It had its moments. Yeah, it just yeah, it was it was good, but my god, did it like I was just yeah, bit. um, I'll try and go for a more upbeat recommendation. I think both of us do, to be fair. Yeah, I'm just we overdue some stupid comedy. I think. Yeah, it was um, it was good. Like I said, I, I I enjoyed it for what it was. It's just one of those films where it's like. Fucking hell, like. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, That's cheers right. for that. You, yeah, what? Oh, Jack, I'll watch this. What are you gonna watch? Oh, I'm gonna watch Adam's Family. Oh, okay, <laughs> brilliant. Like, yeah, brilliant. I had a great time. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So I think, in short, you liked it, but you wouldn't necessarily rush back to it, which is a fair, a fair review might, of that. I might suggest it for family film night next time my mum and dad want to do a film night just to <laughs> put it on and say, sorry, I've got to go. Yeah. So actually I'm going to leave this with you, but uh, let us know you think what you think of it. But um, yes, it's a good laugh. So yeah, I'll, I'll nip out. Let us know what you think. But, um... <laughs> yeah, that's fair dues. So my homework was to go and watch Shame, yes. which was, I, I would say it's not as bleak, but it has a lot of bleakness in there as well. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, um, yeah. Fastbender's wang pretty early on in the film, right? Yeah, I know. It's um, like it's kind of intimidating. Like, all right, showing <laughs> off. Fucking hell. O- the only thing that would have like eased you into it is if he was wearing his fucking Magneto helmet the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I thought this was like Magneto's backstory. <laughs> like, oh, so that's why he is the way he is. But... Yeah. yeah, it's um. It's not what I expected, actually. I thought it was just going to be, like, just softcore porn. And it, I guess it kind of is to, to a degree. There are elements where it's like, I don't think I've ever seen this in a film before. No. Um, but it's much more focused on, like, an addiction and, like, his addiction to sex, and basically. And the, and the lengths he goes to as well. Yeah, exactly. And how he copes with it and his how his world is kind of rocked by his sister turning up and just he's very much routine guy likes being on his own and has his own way of kind of an OCD personality and then she turns up who's a bit more uh, relaxed and chilled out and goes with the flow and he can't 
deal with that. There's a lot of like a backstory there as well, which isn't really addressed, but I don't think is a detriment to the story. It's kind of makes you think as you go through like what's gone on here. Yeah. Um, without too many spoilers for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it, I love the scene towards the end. He's on the subway and something's happened and people are running in the background and then he's like, fuck, well, if that is sister and all this stuff. Um, I really enjoyed that, like the way they filmed it, the how it just escalates out of sort of nothing. But yeah, like his like come down scene as well, where he kind of just loses it and just walks the streets and gets involved in all sorts of stuff was um yeah goes, a, go, goes in a bit of a bender to say yeah, the least literally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Hey. I'm, I'm looping that for the edit <laughs> um oh, but yeah no i really enjoyed it good soundtrack as well Fassbender is brilliant and another great mcqueen film in fact i went after i watched this i watched widows as well which is another. Oh, I saw um, you watch that. Yeah, it's another uh, McQueen film, uh, which I thought was good. It's not as good as Shame, I don't think. But I started getting into the buzz because I want to get him back into his small acts, TV mini mm. films as well. Um, because I've only watched one so far, and that was absolutely brilliant. It was in my top ten for last year. Um, so I need to get on, onto his stuff. Um, there's not much of his stuff that I haven't seen now, so I need to tick off those. But um, yeah, good recommendation. It's one of those ones that just slipped through. Um, but now I'm glad I've watched it. No, I'm glad you enjoyed it. There's one there's one scene that always stuck out for me was uh, there's a part where Carrie Mulligan is singing in a nightclub or restaurant. Yeah. And there's just one continued shot of her singing. And it's quite a it's quite a somber moment. I remember just literally like like the cinema just being like completely silent while it happens and stuff like that. It's quite a um it's you know it's, it's a great performance from it, but I don't know why that scene just sort of stuck out as this like mm. sh- she's quite a wild child, but for that one moment she's got this like this passion, this moment to herself kind of thing, you yeah. know. And uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's like yeah. she's almost singing directly to her brother as well, isn't it? Yeah, like so much is happening yeah. through the song that, that she's not saying with words, but so yeah. much has happened on screen. She's singing to a room full of people, but the words and the song itself is dedicated to him. And it's yeah. just kind of like no one else in that room exists kind of thing. But uh, but no, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, lovely. Nice. Let's try and go for some upbeat stuff this time. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah, I've tried. I've got a few bleak ones, but I won't recommend them. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for me to say like, oh, yeah, your recommendation this week, Jack, is to watch Liar Liar. And you'll be like, OK, I'll watch that. Max, your recommendation <laughs> is the... Uh, the 1907 film about the struggle of the uh, the revolution in uh, Russia during the uh, it's like, oh, brilliant that'd be that'd be good like the poverty stricken oh, oh, uh, oh and it's four hours long yeah it's the uh, the four hour story of the uh, the, the struggle during the uh, the Great War and uh, the family's <laughs> sacrifice oh brilliant yeah I'll watch that quality. ten out of ten masterpiece <laughs> yeah right let's go on to the guffs of 97 okay. so I'll throw it to you for your handful of uh terrible films from 1997 okay so uh there is one that i would definitely say is terrible but there's two that are terrible because of just like they're not terrible films they're just cheesy as shit looking back at now you know so so the first one uh is the is what i consider the one of the worst and that is home alone three yes i'll put that as well mate it's that is it is one of the biggest squeezing of the cash cow ever. It's 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 not even like a whimsical kind of like fun adventure as well. It's 
a kid, so it's a completely different kid. It's not Kevin. It's not his family. It's a completely different family, completely different setting, all this stuff. But this kid, Alex, gets a remote control car that somehow has a microchip in it that controls satellites and there's a terrorist group <laughs> trying to retrieve it. It's like, what? And they, and, they, and these terrorists, apparently, who are like super intelligent and like masters of, you know, espionage, somehow get thwarted by this eight-year-old in his house with his traps. And it's just like, nah, I believed it when it was two crooks, you know, when he had the wet bandits, because, you know, to be fair, they're not exactly the, you know, the most diabolical criminals. Yeah, but when yeah. you've got like a, a supposed terrorist organization who are like oh no i just slipped on some ice like it's like nah you've you've lost it you've yeah you've you've tried to you've tried to carry on the magic and you've it's in it's film in name only and that's about it yeah, so yeah. it's just um yeah no no thank you no thank you at all i think there's a number four as well which is just i like, think there is but really. it's like you like you I, I put this as one of mine but it's like as soon as it's not macaulay culkin it's like i'm not interested I no. think I thought I saw it, you know, around that time it would have been out as a kid and just thought it's just, even as a kid, it's like, this is not the same. I feel, do I this. feel like, I feel like Home Alone is one of those ones that could be tipped for a reboot and have... I think, is it not? Or did I well, read that as a joke? I, no, I heard something because I saw Macaulay Culkin had a kid uh, this week and they were saying that, like, how funny would it be if, like, Macaulay Culkin is now at the age where he can have kids if they did a reboot of Home Alone where he is like the dad now. So, you right. know, it'd be... And the thing is, you kind of want to watch it because it'd be like, well, it's Kevin, so... It's, it's... If, if Macaulay Culkin is involved somehow, that'd be fine. I'm sure I read that Ryan Reynolds has got the rights to 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 do a remake or some I shit. Know. I can't remember. I don't know. You'd, um... have to, you'd, you'd have to have, yeah, Macaulay Culkin involved in it somehow. Otherwise, again, it'd just be by name only. But there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, Joe, Joe Pesci could be the old guy that helps him out, like in the yeah. first. <laughs> well, so uh, not to carry on too long, but real quick, I saw a th- uh, somebody wrote a script online a couple of years ago that I read. Uh, obviously, not, not like a full script, but like a storyboard around uh, a Home Alone, like a true Home Alone three, where it was Kevin and his brothers and sisters, like they were all meeting up because their dad passes away, like the real life actor who played right. his dad did part so it was like kind of a little tuggy cheek of that and they were all coming for the funeral and his son like gets caught up and you know whatever and they were saying that how like uh marv and uh i've got to can't remember marv and remember his name yeah anyway the wet bandits they've reformed but they are like uh they're criminal consultants kind of thing so it's like <laughs> Ke- kevin works with them to understand how to like find it it was it was it, it, I'm, I'm not doing it justice but it's one of those things where it was like oh my god this That's, is the true yeah. home alone three that would be absolutely brilliant to make but um we'll yeah, see we'll see um yeah sorry so the other two i have so uh number two is batman and robin now <laughs> it's I'm, it's not the worst it's just it's not age well but it's one of those films we've talked i'm pretty sure we've talked about on episodes before it's one of those films where as a kid, you were like, oh, my God, that is brilliant. Like That was unbelievable. And then looking back now, it's like this was cheesy as fuck. Like just, you know, Arnie's one-liners save it for the most part. But you've got George Clooney with a nipply bat suit. And it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's it's diabolical. Um, so it's, it's bad 
but only because of just how cheesy it is, as opposed to being a bad film. But that's why it's a bad film as well. Uh, and the last one is Spice World, the Spice Girls movie. <laughs> I never saw it, but <laughs> oh mate, I remember like I think my sister rented it uh, when we were kids, and like it, it was one of those films where like it just had tons and tons of cameos in it. Stuff like that. Obviously, everyone jumped on the bandwagon at the time because Spice Girls was hot as shit at the time. Yeah, but it was just like just. Again, just really, really nineties cheesy and stuff like that. Just, um, yeah, just, yeah, not, not what, not one to remember. No, definitely not. No. Right, nice, good list. Um, so you've mentioned one already, Home Alone three, which I also had. Um, another one I'll quickly go through is Alien Resurrection. So this would have been the fourth oh, Alien okay. film. Um, which is, yeah, it's really forgettable. It's a shame as well because it's the same director who I've of films who I've had in a top five in our list before. Um, he's done okay. Amelie, uh, Mick Max, and those sorts of French films uh, as well. Yes. I think I think you mentioned that on the um, when you said about see Emily in the is it two thousand and one episode. That's it, yeah. Amelie yeah, is right. so so good. Um, but then he turned to a sort of a French. Well, this was before that, but he sort of did this franchise film and it's just yeah it's it's the one i i kind of remember alien 3 by david fincher i remember thinking it was good but this one is just like i remember getting the box set and just thinking this is just yeah. going downhill and then it's not one i remember particularly well now this one i think you know and um is considered a good film and i was hoping to try and watch it ahead of time to see if i'd change my view on it but i haven't um it's the game I, oh yeah, you don't like this, do you? I don't like the game. I no, really, and no. funny enough, I just mentioned David Fincher, but I really couldn't get on with this film. I feel like it was like the whole film is like, this is the twist, or is it? And then at the end, it's like, no, it is. And like, oh, okay, all right, so fine. The I just didn't get on board with it, and I dread to go back to it. I tell you why I love this film, or I'm oh, sorry, you know, not the only reason, but one of the reasons I love this film is I remember this is like you were talking about this. You're like, uh, I really need to. See. Have you heard of the game? I was like, no. You're like, mm. mate, it sounds so good. I've been reading up about it. And I'm pretty That's... sure, I'm pretty sure we both bought it at the same time from CEX to go away and, and watch it. And then I came out like, it's brilliant, isn't it? And you're like, no shit. I was like, what? Like you were the <laughs> one who were like, you're the one who was like, oh my god, I can't wait to see this. Yeah, I can't because uh, I mean, by this point. You know, he'd done Fight Club. This ones I'd seen were Fight Club, Seven, like, mm. fucking, yeah, brilliant. And then he was doing, like, Social Network. And I, I don't remember when I saw this, but I remember just thinking, that, oh, so it is... I just remember it being so anticlimactic. And I was like, the whole way through, I was like, yeah, this is not this is not a twist, is it? Oh, wait, it is. <laughs> it, was the, it, it was the epitome of a wet fart. Oh, this is what enough. I would call the game is just the wet fart game. <laughs> I'm not a fan, um, so, so I can't wait for this to be your number one. Um, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually my one to five. I just thought it was so good. I just gave it all five spots. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Okay. So let's go on to our top fives then. So do you want me to start? Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. So. My my top five is a very mixed bag this time around. A lot of these I've seen relatively recently as well. Um, so I guess they're, I've got some more recent memories of these as to why they're at my top five. So 
My number five is a David Lynch film, and it's Lost Highway. Now, I don't know if you've seen this one. I think it's fair to say it's one of his lesser known uh, Lynch films, but it's so good. It's absolutely brilliant. It's the right side of weird for Lynch, from Lynch for me. Um, so I kind of give you, I'm giving you the letterboxed synopsis, and this is just sums up. This sums up perfectly what it, this is how mental it is. So, a tormented jazz musician finds himself lost in an enigmatic story involving murder, surveillance, gangsters, doppelgangers, and impossible transformation inside a prison cell. I think that kind of sums it up pretty well. Yeah, that okay. You know what you're in for. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so good. It's really good story. It's really creepy. Um, there's some. There's a, one of the characters in here is just absolutely creepy. There's a. They're at a kind of like a party, and I'm trying to explain it. But he comes up to the main protagonist, and all the sound of the room goes. So all the focus is on this one guy. So you can imagine like a party going on but mouths are moving, but no sounds coming out. And all you hear is this creepy guy asking these really creepy questions. Um, but it's a really good film. Some really, um, you, you know, unique ways of filming in here as well. It's got a really good soundtrack. It's got a decent cast. You've got Bill Pullman, who's the main character. You've got Patricia Arquette, who's kind of the femme fatale in this. Um, Henry Rollins, which is the, <laughs> the leader yeah, of the, Black Flag. Yeah. I'm sure we mentioned him recently. We talked about yeah. him recently. Um, but yeah, he's in this as well. I think he plays a police guard or prison guard. Um, but yeah, it's so good. It's one of those ones, I think, because David Lynch has got a lot of other films that I guess get talked about a lot more. It For me, I, re- I knew... Shuffle. Yeah, I, I got lost in the shuffle and I knew relatively next to nothing about it. So it was a nice surprise when you finally get around to it and think, oh, wow, this, is, this needs to be up there with some of the, his other films as well um but yeah lost highway is uh i'll try not to put that as my recommendation because i wouldn't say it's upbeat either i but... was waiting for that i was waiting for it a bit like oh yeah, it's a david lynch <laughs> film creepy as hell really uncomfortable watching max that is your homework like, oh, <laughs> but no it's a really good i mean you know what you're in for with david lynch film okay you're gonna see something again that you've not seen before and I, that's what i really appreciate about him is he is quirky, does things completely, you know, on on his own, uh, in his own way. Um, but yeah, it's so underrated. And um, yeah, I had to put it as my number five. Does it have a rabbit sitcom? <laughs> no, not quite. Um, nah, give it, give it, uh, give it, Mr. No, exactly. But it's got a, it's got a Ramstein soundtrack. Another that's, reason why I loved it. Yeah, that's that's one thing I'd like to go and revisit. Actually, that was uh, Inland Empire because that was one film that. It was it was good. It was it was weird but good. Like it was, yeah. Um, yeah There's a lot of stuff in there that really kind of throws your head and your you know throws out any kind of assumption you might have out the window and stuff. But I would um, say okay. this one is more cohesive than Inland Empire because Inland Empire seems is a lot more Easy out to there. There's a lot of things out. You know that it's hard. I think Inland Empire is harder to follow than Lost Highway. It's a bit more of a, okay. straight, a straight story. But then I say that as a Lynch film. Not as yeah. a general film, but um, yeah, it's some great stuff in there. I'm really okay. It. So that is my number five, Lost Highway. Nice. Uh, what have you got as your number five? So my number five is the Quentin Tarantino film Jackie Brown. Nice, good shout. So 
there's one thing that stands out about this for me is it doesn't feel like a Tarantino film. Uh, but researching it, I didn't realise that this is the only one that's actually based on a source material that he hadn't actually written himself. It's, it's something that he adapted from a, an existing novel as opposed to his own original story. But um, yeah, it's just, a, you know, uh, it's it's a it's a crime thriller with a Tarantino touch to it. And it's it's, yeah. you know, it's got a. As a, you know, Tarantino is very good at having a big ensemble cast of big names, but that not being the forefront of it. Yeah, I think I think too often, especially nowadays, there's these films where it's like starring this big name and this big name. And it's like, oh wow, like have you seen who's in it? It's like, yeah, have you seen how shit it is? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I always draw back to, uh, you know, slagged it off before, but Knives Out. Like the amount of people that were like, oh my god, have you seen who's in it? It's like, yeah it was shit like it doesn't matter like who's in it like Daniel Craig and uh Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't matter you know if, if it's a shit film it doesn't matter who's behind exactly. you know who's in front of the camera um but you know you've got uh Pam Greer, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert De Niro, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton I love Michael Keaton and I, I think he's <laughs> such an underrated actor uh but he, you know, he plays, uh, you know, quite an integral part in this. You've got Bridget Fonda who I don't I've not really seen many Bridget Fonda films but she plays possibly one of the most annoying <laughs> characters ever and you you know it's you, you is know, she the one a... that winds up with De Niro yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, the car park that's in the it. mall like, yeah. that's, <laughs> it. Uh, that's one of the few the few scenes I remember. I've only seen this once shockingly enough um, and I'd love been would love to go back to it so maybe that could be my penciled in homework to just go yeah. and revisit it again but yeah, I remember there's um that was one of the scenes I remember in the car, but you just so fucked off with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, and it's um so it's kind of give a background the synopsis. So uh Pam Greer plays a air stewardess who ultimately is she works for a very low budget airline in the States and she has it on a kind of a on a, a bit of a side hustle smuggling drugs for known gangsters. Uh she gets caught and then she gets kind of a plea bargain with the DEA to kind of say, like, if you can help us nail who it is that you're smuggling stuff for, then, you know, we'll reduce your sentence or, you know, ultimately give you, you know, a bit more immunity. Uh, she strikes a relationship with a bail bondsman, played by Robert Forster, who, again, great character, you know, I think, you know, he's someone, again, that you may recognise him and you'll think, oh, God, what have I seen him in? But he's, you know, he, he, he is great in this film. Um Solid soundtrack again. Um, you know this 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 is a lot of themes from this. So like they sort of black black exploitation from the nineteen yeah. seventies. Yeah, and it's a you know it's a nineties version of that. So the kind of soundtrack and the, the 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 score behind it fits that as well. But it is. It's just. It's like I said. It's it's Tarantino enough to be a Tarantino film without being the almost over the top. Uh, element of it that you see in like Tarantino films um, and I think that's why it kind of stands out because it is you know it is a great story and I think Tarantino does it so well in the sense of bringing out every character has their own unique style and stuff like that and mm. like, like I said it's a great ensemble and I think I think this is one of these films again where the casting is so well for the, the characters they play as well and I think it is you know it's um 
you know, there's there's kind of some again, I don't want to give too much away, but there's kind of some twists in it as well, and there's quite some, uh, you know, quite a clever ending to it as well. When ultimately there's uh, a meeting in the shopping mall for a handover and stuff like that, and um, yeah, there's there's you know there is a lot of lot lot of different elements to it. So it's you know, like I said, crime thriller. It's yeah, little bit little bit dark comedy as well yes. because of you know some of the things they deal with as well. Um, but yeah, I just I just yeah, I think this is a great film. I um. I really love the intro as well, where she's, I think, is she not an air stewardess or works at she an is, airport? Yeah, yeah and, she's an um, air stewardess, yeah. She's on that conveyor belt and they've got Bobby Womax um, yes. across 110th Street. Uh, yes. What a song. Yeah. Like, and like nothing's really happening. It's like she's going across that conveyor belt. From what I remember, like the titles come across or the credits yeah. start. It's just, and it's just it's such just, a cool intro. And it's it, all it is is literally just following her descent from the plane. Like it's nothing yeah. like it's nothing glamorous. It's her literally like finishing up with the you know the the yeah. um uh, the passengers winging them off. That's it. Packing up. But Tarantino makes it like it's some cool like epic. Yeah. It's like yeah. brilliant intro. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, and it's um, but yeah, and it's like I said, it's it's not it's not a over the top Tarantino film, but it's enough Tarantino to have that Tarantino touch to it. And it's, uh, it adds to what is a really great story. Nice. Brilliant. Okay. Lovely. Good shout. Um, it's actually not in my top five, but for reasons that I, it's been a very, very long time yeah. um, since I've seen it. So I think this is considering this is a Tarantino film. I think this was what you said about lost highway. This is definitely lost in the shuffle. Like if you think mm. of Tarantino films and the pop, you know, the more popular titles like Reservoir Dogs, Glorious Bastard, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You know, I think this is definitely lost in the shuffle of a Tarantino film because again, I, I think it's because it's not that sort of typical Tarantino um, film, but yeah. but yeah, I think it's brilliant. Definitely. Nice one. Right. So I'm going to go on to my number four. So this was, I'm hoping now I'm getting my bleak ones out of the way, which is good. Um, this was one I watched very, very recently. It's a Japanese film, um, and it's by Takeshi Kitano, who I, you may have seen, if you've seen Battle Royale, he's the teacher. Oh, uh, um, okay. Uh, he's also a director as well, and he's acted in a lot of numerous films. I started getting into his films sort of during lockdown, sort of end of last year, uh, mid to end of last year. And some of them are a bit slower. This one um, I, I watched and was just absolutely blown away by it. It's called Fireworks. Um, and it's, I went through, a, I think I told you, I was kind of going through this Yakuza movie phase. And this is kind of leans onto the Yakuza tropes, I guess. Basically, it's about a police officer who leaves uh, the force um, due to personal circumstances. And gets kind of work like worms his way into the yakuza and like kind of falls in and gets into debt with them. Um, but why he's doing that? He's getting extra money because the money wasn't from police officer's job, wasn't um, enough for him to pay for his wife's uh, medical bills. So he spirals into like um, this world of the yakuza and keeps paying money to for the medical bills. Um, and the yakuza are just like constantly chasing him even though he's paying for his um, his wife's treatment they don't care they're just like i need my money and he eventually kind of snaps basically and goes on this tirade after them and he's trying to juggle all these different things um uh, at the same time and it's got an amazing soundtrack it's actually weirdly enough it's the same uh i think his name's joe hisashi he makes the soundtrack to spirited away 
So if you oh, can imagine. Wow, okay. So oh, mate, it, I love that. Yeah. So you can imagine that sort of magical. <laughs> it's a very weird Ma- magical whimsical film about a man who has to pay his debts to the yakuza while his I wife know, is dying. But it's 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 beautifully done. It's like it's not so obviously fantastical as the Ghibli movies, um, but it has elements of that in a more subtle way to do some of the other scenes that are a bit more serious um but kind of lighter as well um and the nicer happier moments that they they make they really embellish those scenes really well um it's a really underrated film i I would say um yeah it's it's a 10 out of 10 film for me um in fact everything on from this point is a 10 out of 10 but this one uh it just really took me by surprise i think those are the best films what you don't we've said this numerous times to each other but the less you know about it and it just takes you off guard really really um i think i watched this on mubi which is that um that streaming service that they update a new film every day um and i was going like i said just going through his films um at some point early this year end of last year and this one was easily the best by far um so if you if if you sign up to mubi it's still on there at the moment i think it's called fireworks um but yeah it's it's the great it's got a great balance of action and serious storyline and a great soundtrack as well, which all add up to a great film. But yeah, I'm, I don't imagine it's one that's well known perhaps, but Fireworks is definitely worth seeking out. Um, I think it's called Hanabi in Japanese, but it's actually Fireworks in English. But yeah, really, really, really good film. Really recommend it. Imagine every film you'd ever seen never knowing anything about it before you watched it imagine how imagine how many other films you may have actually enjoyed if you never knew a single thing about them going into them like i think that's one thing that like uh i've liked about this pod i know we give the recommendations and we talk about them but they're still not necessarily a grasp on what to expect kind of thing and i think i think you know we've said it before the best films are the ones that you go in with almost no, even no, uh, in not, no, sorry, not no interest, but no knowledge of it prior to it or kind of any hype, and it just absolutely blows you away and stuff like that. But I think I've, I'm, I've, I've written down Lost Highway and Fireworks both so far because they both do sound quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to the end and I'll, I'll yeah. we'll see, but, um, yeah, but, yeah. but uh, no, that does, that does sound good. And I think, um, what you said there about this, you know, the, the the composer there, and also the music. I think that, especially with like your Japanese films, obviously, especially with your, like you know, obviously animations as well. See, that's mm. more, you know, the sort of the um, the theme of it. But the scores have a way of being so much more, um, like you said, like whimsical. I suppose, like they create a lot more sort of the magic behind it, and that yeah. I think. They're very good at that, the style of um, composing for that. But um, but yeah, so that might be one of the things I check out because if it's got that sort of theme behind it as well, it might be worth worth checking yeah, out as well. It's it's great. I mean, like I said, I it's not it, it when I was looking at lists of like the greatest Yakuza films, this kept crop, cropping up. I wouldn't necessarily is a Yakuza film other than that the Yakuza are in it. Yeah, and he gets caught up in it, but it's not the main thread of the film, if that makes sense. So it's not like you know he's not facing the Yakuza the whole way through. He's dealing with that as one thing that he's dealing with on top of numerous other problems he's got. Um, in fact, random thing. You remember I messaged you, uh, one of the characters, I uh, sent a picture, one of the characters was wearing a Cactus Jack t-shirt. Yes. That was yes. from this film. 
okay. Um, got to watch it now then. There you go. So if any reason to watch it, mate, uh, that's it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so good. Really, really, really enjoyed it. So yeah, that was my uh, my number four. So what have we got for, for your number four? Nice. So mine is actually kind of the same theme, actually. Um, <laughs> so... You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to tease this, but it's yeah, it's it, no, it is it's this is a serious film, so this is very much the same balance. Uh, you know, a man who's pushed to his limits, um, and actually, you know, like you said, uh, in that, you know, the, in fireworks, you know, he has to kind of do the bidding for the yakuza and is in their debt in order to, you know, make you know make ends meet and, mm-hmm. um, you know, look after his family. Very similar to my number four about a man who has to work with his enemies in order to see his family again. Um, and become the very criminals that he, you know, he wants to fight in order to save others' lives, and uh, you know, uh, you know, like I said, ensure the safety of himself and his family going forward. Um, it's quite, you know, quite a serious film as well. Uh, my, yeah, number really four, bad. <laughs> my number four is Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Bruckheimer's Con Air. Yes, get it, mate. I'm not gonna lie. So looking at my list now, it takes a big old fat like get out of the. You know this. This is not your Mark Commode <laughs> right now. This is, this is your this is your 90s list now. But yeah, yeah. my number four is Con Air. Nice. I watched this. I watched this again recently, and it's just ridiculous. It's just it's. <laughs> I love how it's what like. So there's there's one thing that I love about 90s action films, and there's like. Imagine this thing on this setting. Like, like you know, it's... Imagine yeah. escape convicts on a plane. Like, it's it's it's, it's just... It just take imagine two... a bomb on a bus. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That is, yeah, that is the classic <laughs> example. That's what it is. It's that... Let's take a... a, a let's take a mad scenario on a, on a... On a transport... A type of transportation that's just... <laughs> it, like, under siege. Yeah. Let's take... World dominating terrorists on a cross country train. Like it's just, it's, it's just, it's madness on public transport. But yeah, like <laughs> yeah. it's just. <laughs> but yeah, Con Air Man, like the, the uh, saying about the score for you know fireworks. I love the fact that they must have spent billions alone on the electric guitars solos that you know that yeah. just ring out throughout this film. It's just like there's there's not one scene where they're just like. Like it's just like just absolute, you know, absolute class, class, you know, score throughout. Um, but again, great cast. You got Nicolas Cage in his absolute prime. Easy. Uh, he's just, you know, it, it breaks my heart what happened to him. Like, <laughs> oh, can we just can we just say Oscar winning Nicolas Cage as yeah. well? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, let's not forget Oscar winning Nicolas Cage. Uh, but yeah, and it's just you know he plays Cameron Poe, who he is a uh, ex uh, US soldier who ultimately uh, defends his wife um, from a bar fight, his pregnant wife in a bar fight, and he accidentally kills one of the guys who's attacking uh, attacking him and his wife. So he's, he's sent to prison for several years. Uh, he's finally he's finally released. Um, and he gets to go home to his daughter and his wife, his daughter, who he's never met, but he's, you know, he has, uh, he's written to all his, all of her life, should I say. Um, he gets put on this transport plane that's full of, I think it's, they call it like the monster museum of like all the, the worst 
possible criminals because these the story is these criminals are being moved from their current prison to this new maximum security prison that's going to hold almost dangerous horrible psychopaths and they just happen to have this one Nicolas Cage guy who to be fair it was manslaughter because he was defending his pregnant wife he wasn't you know yeah he wasn't Cyrus the virus who you're going to find out is like <laughs> the worst possible killer in the world or Johnny 23 or you know Diamond Dog these horrible it's such 90s villain names oh i i love i love i love (laughs) i love the villain names but i love the fact that there's one bit where so yeah so yeah so long story short the the you know during transport the cons take over this plane basically and they you know they they ultimately take over this uh this this flight uh but oh but there's one thing and again i think this is like prevalent in 90s films is that they will give a short profile on the on the villains to really big up their backstory. So there's one bit when like um, uh, like the uh, the transport police are going through the roster of who they need to pick up, who, who's going on this plane, and they're like Cyrus the virus, and it's like, oh man, this is one sick son of a bitch. And they go through like his hit list of like mm. all the things he's done, and then it's like Johnny Twenty Three. Why do they call him Johnny Twenty Three? Oh, this sick son of a bitch, 23 of his girls. And they go like, but they go through like, they build up like a, it's almost like a tail of the tape. It's like, and again, <laughs> this is one of the things I love about wrestling. And this is when like, you know, where they go through like the roster of like, this is Brock Lesnar. He's the world champion six times. NCAA champion. It's like, it's building up this person and their backstory. It's not just, it's not just a plane of psychos. They make you understand like, just how awful these people are because they talk about you know the the uh, the characters that there's um there's one in particular which is uh, uh steve buscemi's character that's it garland garland green who's like this like they they you know he's just is he the one that's like tied up like um silence of the lamb style yeah yeah they like they he's he's just like quite timid He's one of the, he's that classic psycho of like, he's not this big, bulking, yeah. raging ball of, you know, ball of power. Silent he's but just deadly. Like, yeah, he's just like small, timid, quiet, creepy looking guy. And they're like, you know, there's one bit where they're sat on the plane and um, he just goes, I once killed a girl and drove her, got, drove through two states while I wore her head as a hat. And it's like, it's just, it's, it's just cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And they're like, don't talk to me for the rest of the flight. Like it's just like, <laughs> but it's yeah, and it's 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 one of that. It's that. It's ridiculous '90s action, brilliant characters. It does a. It does such a brilliant job of just building up tension and the action and just mm. yeah. Like I said, it doesn't it doesn't hold back with some of the characters as well and like their backstories and you know it just yeah. It's, it's up there as '90s action, right? Oh, gosh, I just yeah. like I love the idea that. Someone, someone's just looked at uh, saw the sign for aircon in the mirror and gone aircon con air con air right con there's air. a story right <laughs> yeah. here we go they just start writing down this this plot based on that premise um, and it but, is and it, but but it is and it's you know it's Jerry Bruckheimer who is famous for you know he's done the Pirates of the Caribbean he's done yeah. National Treasure uh, he's done a lot of obviously like science fiction action films like, that kind of thing and this kind of you know this is you know his forte for the, the type yeah, of film it is totally. but again you know you, you've got quite a well-known cast for it you know nicholas cage john cusack john malkovich john malkovich so is good. is the is the epitome of can play any character you can play Easy. it can play uh, a psycho southern cult leading 
villain or he can play a sophisticated art critic. He can play a he musketeer. Can yeah, he can play a musketeer. He is literally the most like flexible, you know, actor ever. Uh, but yeah, Steve Buscemi, Vic Rames, and again, it's one of these things where, for what for what nowadays I think would be quite a cheesy, low budget not yeah. sorry not low budget but not kind of a hard hitting film. It's got still quite a stellar cast behind it again, yeah. and it's just it's, all, it's, it's also a lot of nineties peak actors as well. Like yeah. you don't, as in if you look at that list, I'm looking at the list now. Not a lot of those are as popular these days. So I'm looking no. at this. You've got Steve Buscemi. He's still around, but I mean, he wasn't as big as he was in the 90s. Mm. Uh, Ving Rhames is still around with Mission Impossible. Uh, Danny Trejo. Yeah. I think he's still around, yeah. but has been a bit typecast, I think, now. John Cusack. John, C- John Cusack, I haven't seen in years. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think what the last thing he's done, but nothing really stands out that I no. can think of. John Malkovich still around but again 90s i think was his decade really a lot of these actors here is there so is dave Chappelle in this i don't remember dave Chappelle. so so dave (laughs) dave Chappelle is kind of like the um he's kind of the 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 secret right hand man who like starts the fire on the plane and gets the guards Uh, attention and stuff like that he's the one they drop out onto the windscreen uh, yeah yeah uh, but that's the thing, like, you, th- you think this film is 24 years old as well. Like, it's, oh, it's yeah, it's it's mad. But but it is, like I said, I think, you know, as as cheesy as an action film it is, it's actually quite a simple story. But it's just, mm. it's just the action behind it is just ridiculous. It's just fun. how good it is, stuff like that. Oh, God, yeah. Nice. It, is a, it, it is a good ride. Yeah. Oh, nice pun. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good choice. Um so that was your number four. So that goes to me for number three. So I hope you haven't seen this because I really want to be this. This is your um, homework to watch. So my next film is a Paul Thomas Anderson film and it's Boogie Nights. Ah, uh, okay. Have you seen Boogie Nights? No, yes. I've not. Fantastic. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Perfect. So I will be purposely vague then. Um, I won't go too much into it because, like we were just saying, you want to kind of it's, go in knowing as little as possible. But go it's lo- it's kind of a loosely based uh, John Holmes story, isn't it? Or like it's it, like the character is supposed to be based around John Holmes. I don't know. Uh, oh, who okay. is John Holmes? The porno actor with a ma- massive cock. Of course you'd know that. Well done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't say, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you've, well, it is around the porn industry. The best way I could probably kind of summarise this, it's similar to a rise and fall story, for, a gangster story, but set in the porn industry. Okay. So I guess the main the, character... The highs is, and lows. Yeah, the highs and lows. Um, the main character is Mark Wahlberg, who <laughs> famously gets coined the name of, porn star name of Dirk Diggler, which is just <laughs> brilliant. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I, I would say that's the best way. It's the rise and fall during that, going into that uh, industry. So, uh, Burt Reynolds is kind of the this well-known porn producer or adult movie producer. Um, and he, uh, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of cast. I'll just read through quickly. Mark Wahlberg, Julianne Moore, Burt Re- Reynolds, Don Cheadle, William H. Macy, Heather Graham, Thomas Jane, Philip Seymour Hoffman, oh, wow. Alfred Molina, Philip Baker Hall, 
um, John C. Riley. There's fucking loads of wow. people in it. It'll be a lot of no. Oh, I know him. I recognise him. A lot yeah. of that going through this. Um, you know, it's definitely one. It's one of Paul Thomas Anderson's earlier films. Um, I would say I don't know if he became such a household name by this point, um, but you can definitely. It's not just. You can. It's also. It's not only is it a great story, but it's filmed really well as well. And you can see okay. watching this going. I imagine at that time he, he was getting a lot of hype as the next big director, even just so early into his um, into his career. I'm trying to look at his list now, and I think, yeah, this was relatively early on. I think Hard Eight was his first film, and this was only his second film. And for me, this is just an absolute masterpiece. It's absolutely brilliant. It's not only has it got a great story, and I, again, I'm going to be purposely vague for your benefit, um, but it's got an incredible soundtrack like you know boogie nights is in the title of the film it's very disco very you know that sort of soundtrack um which is brilliant it's really uh, i mean uh, yeah I'm, I'm trying not to say too much um other than it is brilliant the story and where it goes is fantastic everyone acting wise is on top form um and it's just nice to see Philip Seymour Hoffman again, R.O.P., just to see him in any film. Anything he's in, he does so well. And same with William H. Macy for, for that fact. But Julianne Moore is also great. And also Burt Reynolds, because I can't say I've seen many films with Burt Reynolds in, but he is quite good as kind of using that gangster analogy. He's kind of the head boss, I guess. And Julianne Moore is his mistress slash wife and stuff, you know. Um, and he's got all of his... I guess gangsters are all different porn stars in the industry. I guess that is the closest thing I can compare it to. Um, but yeah, it's so good. And to think this was uh, PTA's second film, it's just mind blowing to me. Like it was just nailing this film and was getting all of this amazing like cast, like in his only second picture. Um, I, think, I think after this, the next one was Magnolia, wasn't it? Yes, it would have been. I yeah. think Magnolia is 99. And that's got pretty massive cast in it as yeah, well like absolutely you stellar cast tom cruise uh that's that's got um philip seymour hoffman as well isn't it yeah i think julianne yeah. moore's in there again yeah. as well um william philip h seymour macy hoffman, william h macy's in yeah. there tom cruise is probably the bigger name i guess and john t riley's in that as well so a yeah. lot of people he's brought back for for that film but yeah um i mean i think you've seen you've seen magnolia have you yeah, on, yeah, on your recommendation, and that was one film that again, you kind of didn't want to give too much away because you were like, yeah. it's you, it just doesn't go where you think it was, and it was like, oh shit, like. I would say the di- the, the the difference with with that is Magnolia is very much there is no one central character. I think there's a lot yeah. of stories, isn't there, that intertwine. Whereas Boogie Nights has is got a lot of cast, a lot of characters, but Mark Wahlberg is you're seeing the. The industry through his eyes he's relatively okay. young as he comes into the industry and you're seeing the good and bad sides of that industry around okay. that time obviously it's so it's set in the 70s i don't know if i've said that but i guess boogie nights kind of gives that away so it's kind of the late 70s where uh it says on the on the tagline here it's like when back when sex was safe so it's a little bit of an innocent industry compared to perhaps now i guess um, this, this must have been pretty early for Mark Wahlberg as well, then, if this was like 97. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he <clears> stopped his musical career. I don't know. Was it? No, no um, Marky Mark and the... That's it. Yeah. Was what, it, what, uh, what is this group called? 
Was it Mark? No, wasn't it? Wasn't he New Kids on the Block? That's it. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It. So I don't know how you know timeline wise where that fits in, but yeah, he's definitely young. You'll see him watching it, and you'll be like, oh wow, he's very very young in his career. I don't know if he'd have done many films even before this. Mm. Certainly not as a central performance. And to be fair to him, I think he does well enough as a young actor. I think it comes across that it's quite word that he is young as a as a character as well and kind of naive, I guess, to a lot of things. So, um, yeah, brilliant, mate. Got to watch it. I'd, I'd tip that as your recommendation out of this list. I, I was hoping that you hadn't seen it because I feel like this is the one that might um, you might appreciate the most. Fair enough. So that is my number three. So nice. over to you, nice. Phil, your number three. So keeping with the theme of terrorists taking over aeroplanes. Oh, here we I, go. Oh, mate, you know what you knew. You knew it was gonna. You knew it was gonna be on. Of course, this. it was. Number three is Air Force One. I knew it would be. I knew and, it would and, be. And this, you know, I, I've, I've copy and paste what I said about Con Air for this. It's just, it's again, it's a thing on a plane. Like it's, it's, it's President something on a plane. Something. On a plane, and it's you know, again Harrison Ford, you just you can, you could just slot him into any role, any any persona, and he just he's just brilliant at it. Just absolutely, if he's an archaeologist, if he's a space pilot, if he's <laughs> if he's president of the United States, Harrison Ford can play it all. And it's just you know, so for those of you who have never watched this and who have missed out on this joyous <laughs> joyous film. Uh, Harrison Ford plays uh, the American president who is uh, who attends a conference in Russia uh, around uh, the disarmament of several countries in Eastern Europe, Europe and obviously trying to take away their nuclear arsenal and protecting other com- uh, countries. Uh, but at the, I suppose you'd say the the risk of uh, risk of war for other countries as well, and ultimately this terrorist group who. Um, he may have had dealings with in the past, take over Air Force One and hold him and his family hostage on Air Force One, which is deemed as the most secure, <laughs> the most secure air, airplane in the world that you can control the entire United States from if anything <laughs> was to ever happen. Yet the terrorists take over this plane and, you know, and Harrison Ford, he's not your average president. He's an ex he's an ex Navy SEAL or Secret Service or something like that. He's basically he knows his shit, and you know he's the wrong he's the wrong president to take take yeah. over their plane. He is you know you do not mess with Harrison Ford in this instance. Uh, and it you know it's I, I watched it again recently, and like there's a couple of things I kind of picked up on, and like one of them is the fact that I never really paid attention to the story that was going on on the ground. Uh, and there's like a whole thing. So Glenn Close plays his vice president. And ultimately, she has to deal with kind of not so much the the backlash, but ultimately the, the situation or like the potential where they're like, we well, might need to shoot down this plane because they've got the president. He can make all these orders, but we can't really let him, you know, make, take he's appointed a gun at his wife and child. He's going to do things. Fair enough. But he is the president of the United States. We might need to shoot this plane down. And make you president so that you can actually make some, you know, you know, it's it. And there's there's this like whole like political backdraft of like people like if you can get a proxy together, if you can get mm. signatures, we can shoot them down. And there's a whole thing. It's like oh shit, this is actually like. And they they bring in like the um, 
uh, like the White House lawyer or whoever he is, like the like the person who like runs the Constitution, and and he's like, yeah, if you want to shoot it down, that's fine, but you need to, you need enough signatures to do it and stuff like that. And they're like going through the, it's like. I don't remember this bit at all. Like I don't remember like they were really paying attention to this. You know, obviously, you know, I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah. But you know, there's that, and obviously that you know, while trying to keep the plane going as well. Um, but yeah, you know, again, stellar cast. William, uh, sorry, uh, Harrison Ford, uh, William H Macy, Gary Oldman is the leader of the. Yeah. Um, uh, William the H Macy's group. in this. Yeah, William H Macy is what the. Year? He is. Oh God, he's like the. He's like the military aide. He's like the person, like the you know, looks after oh, okay. security and stuff like that. The plane. Glenn Close, as I said, is his um, vice president, uh, which you know, vice president woman back in the mid nineties, <laughs> ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, you know, this film, this film was breaking down boundaries before before anybody else thought about it. So this film is, you know, this this film is ahead of its time for you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so and you know, it's again, it's it's a '90s action film. It's got some amazing one-liners in it. Um, it's got some pretty cool action scenes as well as one bit where they have to refuel the plane. Again, it's one of those things where like you kind of think, oh, this is dumb. They wouldn't do that in real life. It's like that. No, this is a real thing. They really do. Re- they refuel planes in the air. And it's like a real Mad. thing. It's like, oh, madness. Yeah, and you, you don't even think about it. It's like, oh no, it's an actual real thing. Um, but there's one thing watching this again. I think I said to you about this recently. When, when you have a so when you have a, in a film where you have like a character who is playing or you have an actor playing the American president, if they're playing if they're portraying an American president as you know in a uh, in a biographical film, you know that president. That's fine. Yeah. When they're playing a fictional president. You don't know nowadays whether or not, okay, given the kind of people that America, you know, oh, uh, okay. uh, votes for as their presidents, is this guy actually a bit of a dick? That we, but we just we just seen this one heroic moment where he topples the, you know, the the terrorists because it's one of those things. Where it's like this guy could be a really <laughs> he, le- he land the plane lands and just people are egging him. Boo. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just it survive. Could, it, Boo, get her back yeah. on your plane. That's the thing. You don't know if, like, oh, this guy could be a horrible right-wing Republican who is actually quite a dick, and it's just a fact that, like, it's a her- her- Someone heroic Someone needs story. to do that, like, face-morphing thing and put Trump on. Yes. Harrison Ford's face to see if yes. that But, like, that's the thing, the same. you know, and Gary Oldman's character, he's a terrorist, but he's not like, oh, I'm going to fuck shit up. It's a case of, no, like your president was the one who ordered missile strikes on my country and I lost my wife and children and millions of others. You know, you, you backed our enemies Mm. who then, who then brought biological warfare to our towns and cities. Like you're not, you know, it might have not been you that pulled the trigger, but you're the one who supported this country now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, Okay, you kind he's of got a point. <laughs> he's got a point. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not. It's not like oh, we just want to take over this place. It's like no, nah, they they want to get a measure. Of, you know, measure of revenge. So it's kind of, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a grey area. A bit of a grey area. Could could have been. You know, could have wrote a letter. <laughs> didn't have to take over a plane. You know, could, yeah. You know, there's, there's, it's a bit there's strong. Other, yeah, they could have. Yeah, bit bit of a bit of a grey area. But um, 
but yeah, I, I had to put it in this list as 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 cheesy as it is, and I know, it, like I said, it is up there with Con Air as exactly the same sort of plot and that. But um, I feel like you, you, uh, the rest of your films just films involving planes. So my next film is the film uh, the the aeronautical thriller, which is <laughs> I would love I would love to see a uh, crossover where. Harrison Ford is the president and his head of security is Nicolas Cage's Cameron Poe. And they're on Air Force One, but Air Force One also is carrying some psychotic criminals. Oh, just wait, have... I've just wait, I've just thought of this. So this is so Harrison Ford, the president, is caught on a plane with a load of cons yes. and yes. it's called Con Air Force One. Yes! <laughs> Con Air Force One. Oh my god, that would be. That needs to, they need to merge it. Can we? He, imagine... So, so yeah, the president gets on the wrong plane by accident, kind of like yeah. Home Alone, yeah. and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and then turns around. He's just full of cons, and yes. he's got to try and get off the plane full of cons. Con Air Force yes. One. That's yes. fucking gold. God, imagine how many Oscars that would win. Just, <laughs> just, Razzies. Just clean sweep all categories and all, but um, but yeah, Con Air Force One. Oh, shoot for the stars. Shoot I'm, for the I'm stars. working on the script now. <laughs> <laughs> no, good shout. Um, I knew this would be in here. I didn't know. I oh, thought mate. this would be higher, personally, because I know no. you love Air Force One. Um, but, yeah, I knew it would be here regardless. Are you a fan of anime, manga, comic book art, and everything in between? Or perhaps know somebody who is? then make sure to check out the work from Instagram artist NoopsDS on teespring.com where you can purchase some incredible artwork on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, phone cases and much more. Personally, I've bought the t-shirt with the Spider-Man print in black which looks fantastic and is a perfect fit. Various different colours are available and shipping is worldwide. To find out more, head on over to teespring.com forward slash doors forward slash NoopsDS that's N-O-O-P-S-D-S. And check out all the incredible work on Instagram at NoopsDS. Links are also available in the episode description. Cool. Okay. So I'll probably talk briefly over this because I have discussed this film on the podcast before. So my number two is an anime movie. And I think it was in my number two anime that I, episode I did with the Noop, which is called Perfect Blue. Now, is this the stalker one? It is. So yes. I'll read the the plot. So a retired pop singer turned actress actress's sense of reality is shaken when she is stalked by an obsessed fan and seemingly a ghost of her past. Now, it sounds kind of a I guess a straight story for an anime, if that makes sense. Like, you know, when you think of anime, you think of Ghibli, you think of Akira, films that aren't, you know, are set in the future or a bit more fantastical that require animation, I guess. So this is a very much a straight story. This is something that could happen, I guess. There are still elements of anime. Like there's a a reason it needs to be an anime, I guess, in that a lot of the scenes where she questions her reality um, is best done through anime or it's it's more uniquely done i guess and done well through animation um i think this is 
another absolute masterpiece. I think this for me is peak anime as well. I would put this, I think I put, when I did my episode with Anoop, I put this just after Akira. And I know you know what I think of Akira. I think is one of the best yeah, films ever made. Yeah, you hate it, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I would put this, if someone was wanting to see, you know, the top films, like the Mount Rushmore of anime, I'd put this up there, definitely. Um, it's directed by Satoshi Khan, who didn't actually do many films um, before he died. I think he died relatively young. I don't know if you'd have heard some of these. So he's heard, of, um, I think I recommended Paprika on a different episode, which is the Inception um inspiration uh for that film and tokyo godfathers which is another brilliant uh film and also a great christmas film um but perfect blue is probably his best film um and he's like i said he's only about four or five movies um but it's again it's about 80 minutes long it's a relatively short film but the, the stuff it addresses is really interesting i think i mentioned on the uh, podcast with a noop that this was strangely around the same time that um there was a, a stalker that f- was stalking yeah, I was gonna say, yeah i remember you saying it was like almost like live imitating art sort of thing yeah exactly it yeah. was very weirdly around the same time uh, i don't know if this was before or after but it was certainly around that time of the the late 90s when that happened and it's it's kind of yeah it's it's one as well which i i did it's one of the few times as well that i watch the film straight after i think the fact that it's only 80 minutes long is it's easy enough to do because there's towards the end and i won't spoil it but there's a lot of things where it kind of you're still trying to figure out exactly how that all paid off at the end um because it mentions in that the um title about how her her grip on reality kind of switches because she's an actress there are scenes where you're not sure if this is an act or if it's like as part of a scene of a film that she's working on or a TV show, or yeah. if it's actually happening. And she doesn't know that. So not only do you not know that, but her character doesn't know that. So it gets a bit confusing towards the end, but I feel like it does slightly tie up. But I think second viewing kind of nails down what, what's happened. There's a lot of theories online about how things have panned out as well. But yeah, that's, that's what, you know, that's what I saying earlier about inland empire that's what i loved about inland empire it was that and you'll know from seeing it there's certain bits when that does happen and it kind of it it throws you a bit as well because you're like hang on is this is this real right now or is this yeah are they are they is she is she in one of her productions or not so i think that really does throw you where you kind of don't know you know your reality is played upon as well because you you don't know this you you assume what the setting is until you really know what the setting is yeah exactly yeah but it does that as well of it does that other trope of something will happen and then your the character wakes up so was that a dream but then yeah. something else happens after she's woken up to suggest it was real like it gets confusing but i wouldn't just a, almost I like would a say, smash cut yeah yeah exactly yeah i would say it's confusing but not to the point of Oh, I can't. I can't continue. Yeah, this. yeah, I can't continue. It does. It doesn't hold your hand. I will say that, but it it, it gives you enough for you to sort of follow along, be interested. You, for me at least, I was on board and invested the whole way through. So it doesn't, you, you kind of want to figure it out and how it's how it's presented to you, which is good. It doesn't hold your hand, but at the same time, it gives you enough to end the film and go. I don't know. I don't quite know what the ending is, but have your own interpretation, kind of thing. Yeah, and exactly, yeah. and it's not straightforward like some films no. can be, and that's fine. But this is very much like it's up to you to figure out what you think has happened, 
rather than this is what is actually definitely happened. But um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoy this film. Um, I've seen it a few times now. I watched this ahead of that anime episode and skyrocketed to the top of the list of what, not just anime or animation films, but as a film in general, it's um, it's really worth seeing. Definitely worth mm. seeing. It's hard to to get. I think I've got, I've got the Blu-ray of this, but I don't think it's on much um, like streaming services or anything like that. But it's definitely worth seeking out if you, if you're interested in it. I think that's the thing about anime is the fact that when it tackles real life situations, it doesn't have all the whimsy and the magic behind it. I think it hits different because we are, you know, me personally, I grew up with cartoons being cartoons, animation yeah. being, you know. Disney and you know Pokemon and you know all that you know it's it's child based it's you know it's whimsical stories it's not it's not real life situations so yeah. I think that's I think that's why things like Grave of the Fireflies hit me so hard because when you look at things like anime and stuff like that you, you do associate it with things like Studio Ghibli that kind of magical yeah. world where you know yes there's horrible things but actually there's some nicety and there's magical characters but when it's like no, this is real. This is real. This is a horror, you know, this is the this is a real situation captured in animation. It hits that bit different because you're just like, whoa, there's no there's no whimsy to it. There's no, no. like cushion behind it and stuff like that. So And that's, that's what quite... we mentioned before is like trying to get rid of that stigma around anime, because you're right. A lot of people think Pokemon. Uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's it's all that, but there is um, you know, a more mature audience for. The, I mean, this is. There are some strong stuff in this that could not be filmed as a live action. That's yeah. all I will say. Is that there is some horrifying moments in this that you just couldn't pull off uh, without turning away. But for some reason, anime. You know, you knowing it's not an actress or an actor that's gone through that as just part of an act because it's quite harrowing what some of the things that happen. The fact it's an it's a drawing, it's been animated, is less harrowing, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's not a real thing, as, as fair, ridiculous as like... that sounds, but, you know, you're not forcing an actor to do a specific thing for a specific scene. Um, uh, and the thing is, you know, like, it's such a prevalent thing, though, isn't it? Stalkers and celebrities and stuff like that. That's not like a... Yeah. That's not like a oh, that's not like a oh. Imagine that. That's a crazy concept. It's like no. Imagine that that happens every single day, and it's probably even more prevalent now with social media and the, the creeps on there that follow people. And yeah, yeah. I think no, in that sense, it's kind of ahead of its time because not not that celebrities weren't around in the nineties, but celebrity has become more of an intense anything. thing oh, because yeah. of social media. Like you can literally speak to someone there's, on there's mo- a platform. There's more- there's more ways of becoming a quote celebrity now. It's not just TV or movies. You can be a YouTuber. You can be a TikToker. You can be a, a blogger. You can be a any pissing useless thing. But there you go. <laughs> Podcaster. Podcaster. There hey. you go. Yeah. Hey. There you go. Sell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I feel like I have spoken about it on here before, but um, I had to throw it in. Um, as in my top five at least nice. um, so yeah that's my number two what have you got now my number two is also the number two of a franchise or trilogy or mm. whatever you want to call it it is the lost world jurassic park oh nice okay interesting uh, you know I, I won't go too much into it because i've you know, splurged over my love for Jurassic Park and, you know, before many, many, many times. But uh, The Lost World is different in the sense that 
it's very much all of the same, but a very, very simplified version of the first film. In the sense that there isn't so much. The first film explains is a, is a very good catalyst and a very good backstory as to why the dinosaurs are there and what they're trying to achieve uh, and how they've done it and why it's going to go wrong and all that stuff. Number two is pretty much we know what the mistakes are. We know why the dinosaurs are here. We still want to do a theme park. We still want to do an, you know, uh, an, uh, you know, an attraction, but we want to bring it to the States. We want to bring it to the homeland. We don't want it to be on an island. Um, so, you know, you've already got the basis there. You already know that there's dinosaurs. You already know that there's, you know, this, 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 this world, this lost world. Hey. 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 <laughs> hey. Out there. Uh, but yeah, and it's just, you know, it, like I said, it, it's, it just plays upon that. And it's a case that, um, again, this is one thing you don't really capture as a pick up as a kid because you're just like, oh, there are dinosaurs, you know, but it's, there's another island, you know, there's, there's the, the idea that there's these several islands because there was the main island, but there was the other islands that were used for testing and reproducing. And there was other islands that were used for housing and stuff like that. So there's all these different, you know, it's one of those things where Transformers used to do it. Where it's just like, oh yeah, no, there was this other planet. There was, oh, there's, there's, there's always been this other planet. It's like, oh no, you defeated those guys. No, 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 that was that planet. Now this this planet. It's like, oh okay, that's you know, just, you know oh you've got another island, have you? Okay, fair enough. But um, and again, you know, it's I love this. I love this because again, it's uh, <laughs> it's such a simple thing. But it's like, what dinosaurs didn't we have in the first film? Cool put them in the second yeah film. people exactly. people you know oh uh we didn't have this we didn't have this one put it in people watch it you know it's 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 some it's something as simple as that that i remember as a kid being like uh you know i remember you don't ever see trailers either briefly on tv or if you went to go see a you know a film at the cinema there wasn't like you know youtube or stuff like that so i remember uh i remember like randomly the big breakfast played like a 30 second clip of the trailer from the lost world and like again this is when like i was what at seven or eight years old so I, I didn't like actively go on the internet to go and find out movie news i didn't know that there was going to be a second jurassic park film so when you like suddenly see this jurassic world you know jurassic park sequel on tv i was like oh my god like there's new dinosaurs they're, 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 they're on motorcycles they're chasing the dinosaurs <laughs> like it was just it was you know it was mind-blowing i don't know about you um, though but i was cheering for the dinosaurs the whole way yes. through Massively, um, because especially the well, hunting bit where you've got oh, what's his name? I forget uh, he's in this. Fossil Slate. Yes, he's fantastic as the hunter. It, yes, that's a, that, and that's the thing. Like in this film, it's not so much about the survival of the people; it's the survival of the dinosaurs. Because actually, mm. it's a case that you know they what they, uh, you know, the film explains that they've kind of come to terms with the fact that you know what we've created this thing. Let the dinosaurs be the dinosaurs. Just don't go near them, you know, let them be what they are, stuff like that. And then ultimately this corporation manages to get a hold of John Hammond's assets. And because of that, actually, you know what? We don't have to leave the dinosaurs alone anymore. We can do whatever the hell we want with them because they're now ours. And they, you know, and they basically, they are, they're poachers. They're, they're using it for sport. And that's one of the things that they want, they plan to do as well. So you are, you are rooting for the dinosaurs in this. You're like, oh yeah, the dinosaurs, we want the dinosaurs to win in this. Um, but there's some absolutely brilliant, you know, terrifying scenes in it. There's a bit when uh they are heading towards one of the like the old bases and they're going through the tall grass and you see the raptors you don't see the raptors all you see is like the movement in the grass like is it yeah. as they as they're culminating up. yeah and it's just it's and they're picking them off one by one and it's that whole thing of like you don't see them 
you can hear them that's all you need and that's you know again it's that put yourself in that situation of like oh you know you might have all the training in the world on capturing you know animals in safari you're trying to capture creatures that haven't been around for millions of years that have you know homed this island that have made it their turf that you have no no sense of at all what you know what it is in that uh so obviously there's that aspect but the bit that i absolutely love and again classic 90s thing imagine we had a dinosaur in los angeles <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> and that's and that's you know and that's the thing you know it's, it's the whole thing at the end where this it's one bit of the film that i never really got which is the fact of like how did the t-rex kill all the people on that boat because surely like but anyway plot yeah hole. that's yeah that's that i never got that because surely he's because they even go to the bit at the end of the film where the the baby dinosaur is right and it's yeah. in like a like a it's a tanker right yeah so unless all of them just fell in how has he killed the whole because yeah, if i have i just made this up does the boat just like just not stop and crash yeah. into yeah because because they're all they're all at the pier waiting for it to arrive and they're like it's not slowing down why is it not slowing down and it just crashes through the pier and it turns out the entire yeah uh, crew on board sense. has been attacked and it was like but the only dinosaur on board was a tx t-rex and that was in the hold so how did it manage it's one of yeah. those, it's surely one of, if it's you're just those... in the, on the in you know at the captain's yeah, bridge it's like you can't it's, get me yeah uh, but it's one of those things like yeah just okay that's i yeah. think ignore that, that. <laughs> fair enough yeah but d- d- dinosaur dinosaur in los angeles but yeah and it's just again imagine imagine just being out in the street and just seeing a big fucking t-rex charging down the street at you like it'd just be yeah so surreal yeah, i so. i I mean, for me, this is not a title on the original at oh, all. No, no. But this is basically King Kong with dinosaurs okay. in the yeah, sense yeah, that yeah, they yeah. they bring, you know, they've replaced New York with King Kong with T Rex yes. in, and I don't mind that. But I love King Kong as it is, so it's like, you know, leave leave that alone. But I do. I've always loved that bit as a kid, where it's like put them, put the T Rex out of their natural habitat and plonk it in. Yeah. modern society and let i mean i always love the bit where um the kid sees the t-rex in yeah. the garden and isn't he <laughs> licking the, the water from the swimming pool yeah and like, then looks up and the dog's like kennels in his mouth that's it. it's like there's a dog there's a dinosaur in the garden shut Mom, up dad there's a dinosaur in the garden <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah and that's the thing it's you know it's, it's I, I would totally agree it's not a touch on the original but this is this is definitely a nostalgia yeah. goggle one for me on this because it was just like oh my god there's a second jurassic park i love jurassic park it's got all these new dinosaurs it's got all these new you know new things that are happening and stuff like that. and also jeff goldblum jeff, <laughs> jeff goldblum he is again just an absolute treasure of an actor and uh julianne moore yes uh vince vaughn yeah, forget about him. Yeah, he's, Vince Ford. Is that the camera guy or? Yeah, he's yeah. like Julianne Moore's assistant, and it's like such a such a you know. Uh, uh, I tell you a, who a else is in there. It's um, I don't know what his name is. It Peter Stormare, who is the guy from Fargo with the bleach blonde hair. He's in this. Yes, he's, he's the one guy of that the... gets killed by the little tiny green. Yeah, that's um, right. He's he's what he's, he's like the like. I know they're all poachers, but he's kind of like the cruel, horrible one that tortures yeah. them and like shocks them with like the shock That's stick it. and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, and it's yeah, again, a pretty nineties ensemble of, of people and stuff. And it's uh, yeah, so that is that is my that is my number two, the Lost World Jurassic Park. Nice, good shout. 
I always like the scene as well where they're trapped in on the cliff edge. Yeah. In the um, uh, what would you call them? Like, because they're kind of like a portable, like, it's like lab a, it's, or it's like, yeah, it's like a convoy of things, isn't it? It's like that's a, it. And that, uh, I always feel that scene's quite tense where they've got the baby T Rex and they like open the door slowly, yes. <laughs> throw it out, and go. Yeah. There you go. That's it. <laughs> Love that. Here's your baby. Please yeah, go exactly. Away. Um, nice. Okay, so that brings me on to my number one. So, do you have an idea what my number one is or not? Uh, I do, and I think it might be the same as me. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay, right. So I'm just going to throw in then. So, my number one film is Gattaca. Wow. Is that's not the number one, is it? No, I thought it was going to be Flubber. <laughs> not quite. It was number six. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> no, my number one is Gattaca. Gattaca, wow. I absolutely love this film so another jude law. Uh, jude law and ethan hawks the main and uma yes. thurman uma thurman's okay. in this as well um shout out to uh mike my uh uh college tutor as well who but we uh we had these sessions where we basically have put a film on um oh what is it called it's gonna really bug me dos session <laughs> Oh, I, it's right on the edge of my. Oh, enrichment. That was what it was called. Uh, enrichment. Okay. Is that? Don't is that know how why. Got, is that how they got away with it at your school? Like, no, 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 no. We, we, it's, it's, it's enrichment. We have to watch. Yeah, we're enriching no, no. ourselves. Yeah, no, no, no. We have to watch WrestleMania because it's. Uh, yeah, no, no. We, yeah, we, it's we, educational. We, yeah, it's educational. It's, 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 it's our enrichment hour. Yeah, that's. Fine. <laughs> but yeah, Gattaca is brilliant. It's. It, I. I feel like it's a film that isn't really well-known isn't really popular isn't really aired on tv that much as far as i'm aware um but it absolutely blew me away when i first saw this and it would have been at college and i've seen this multiple times now um so to give um we've covered this before in one of the episodes i'm sure we have what in the film flashbacks one no, not in the film flashbacks. We've talked about this before because I remember, I remember, I remember you talking about this before on one of the previous. But I can't for the life of me remember okay. what it is. Um, probably because I do, I do love this film mm. a lot. So, um, so to to read the um, uh, synopsis for those who don't know what it's about. So, set in a future society in the era of indif- indefinite eugenics, humans are set on a life course depending on their DNA. So young Vincent Freeman, which is um, Ethan Hawke's character, is born with a condition that would prevent him from space travel. Yet is determined to infiltrate the Gattaca space program. So it's all about kind of uh, prejudice against your DNA. So it's basically saying that you're born to be a certain thing. And in this case, he wants to go into space travel. But because he has born with, like I've just said, a condition that would prevent him from doing that, you almost have to be kind of perfect specimen to go there. Um, he's told that he can't and there's no point. No amount of training you would do would um, mean that you could go because your DNA, the, the results from your yeah, DNA say you're, you're not worthy of going. You're, you're limited by your genes. Exactly, exactly right. In fact, the, there is the, the, the slogan of the film is there is no gene for the human spirit, which is kind of sums that up quite nicely. Um, so what he kind of does is kind of 
swap with Jude Law, who has this DNA, who is destined for space travel, however, gets um, loses the use of his legs. So he can't, for that reason, go. Um, so he, what he does is, through um, various means, um, swaps DNA through sort of finger print changes. So they have, there's this whole scene where they swap identities, basically. Um, and it sets him on his route to go onto the space program. He still has to do all these things, but he has to cover his tracks as he goes. So I, I would say it's a sci-fi film, but it's not a sci-fi in the sense of aliens or anything like that. It's kind of near future sci-fi, I yeah. guess. Um, so Uman Thurman's in this as well. It's almost like the love interest who gets caught up in this whole story. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's got such a brilliant soundtrack as well that goes with this. Um, it's just, I would say it's equally as important as uh, as the film itself. But I, I also think it's probably Ethan Hawke's best film. I'm saying that without thinking too much about others. I mean, there's his later stuff like Boyhood as well is, is fantastic. But as young, young Ethan Hawke, I think this is easily his best. And just, I think it's such a relevant story now as well. Kind of being told from day one, you will never achieve this. Mm. You know, whether that's gender, race or any of those things, this this is kind of a a sci-fi uh, spin on that, saying just based on purely your DNA, you're going to be told from birth that you cannot achieve these these things, and you're set on a set course just because you were born that way. And I think that is a great story to say. Actually, no, you can still achieve those things, um, and you know, kind of go against this whole approach that this film is is putting down. So. Yeah, I've I really really enjoy it. Um, have you have you seen this film? No, I haven't. I'm trying to think why we've. Di- I, I I'm trying to think why we discussed this before. Who's di- di- who's the director? So I'm looking at his stuff now. It's I can't say he's done much else. Uh, it's Andrew Nichol. So he's done In Time, which is the Justin Timberlake one. Which yeah. I don't think I it's like, that bad. Could, no, that was actually pr- that was. It's a good that, concept. Yeah, that remind me very much of like a sort of a modernized. Uh, qu- uh, not quantum leap. God, what's the film called? Ah, that's gonna annoy me now. Um, the film where people die when they're twenty-seven. Oh, um, yes, I can see Logan's Run. That's it, Logan's Run, not quantum leap. What I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it kind of reminded me of that, like almost like a sort of a modernized, like you've got time and the yeah. rich can actually buy more time, and you've got a set. Yeah, that's yeah. That's it. And the other film I would, well, the other two that I know of is Lord of War, which is another Nick Cage film, which I haven't seen. And, oh, yeah, um, and The Host, which is looks like a bit more of a Twilighty, yeah, uh, young def- teens film from 2013. We've, we've definitely talked about Gattaca before, and I can't remember for the life of me why. I probably have spoke, like I said, spoken to you definitely yeah, a lot maybe. about this and recommend. It's a film I keep telling people, like, watch it, watch it, because I don't, I would say. I don't know how well this did at one release, but I feel like it's one of those films that it's, I don't understand why people aren't talking about it in more lists. Mm. I, I personally think it's a really, really great story, really relevant story as well, and really well acted, and soundtrack is brilliant. Everything works well, but I, when I mention it, it's one of those, I would say I would, this is my go-to film of a hidden gem. This is the epitome of a hidden gem for me. Um, and most people I recommend to have enjoyed this. Um, so if you haven't seen this, um, I know you, we said Boogie Nights, but... Well, the thing is, I've actually written down all all but... Wait, what was your number two? Oh, uh... Perfect Blue. 
Yeah, that's only what I've, I've I've literally written down every single film you said so far oh, as a right. maybe. So nice. I don't know. I'm I'm I, I'm genuinely tempted to watch all five. Wow. Okay. I I would love it if you did. Yeah. But I would I would. I mean, if if I would really push, I'm obviously I'm going to say this because it's my number one. But Gattaca, I think, is maybe it's the name. People get thrown off the name. Like, what the fuck yeah. is Gattaca? Um, but um, as long as you know it's the space program, it's nothing other than that in the film. But the story itself, and it's it's just so good. And I'm gonna I'm gonna again be really really vague because I want you to see it. And I I really if you don't like it. That's fine, but I'll be slightly heartbroken by that. I love, I love, I love the fact that, like, uh, you know, you said about um, about people having perfect genes, and obviously uh, Jude Law is in this. Jude Law always seems to be in films where he's like, and this is prevalent in AI, where it's like almost not human because it's just like you are the perfect, yeah, assimilation of a of man kind of thing. Like it's. Um, you know, in AI, he's obviously, you know, like a perfectly formed gigolo robot, but it's just like, yeah. He's, do you know what? I'm, I can't say I'm a huge Jude Law fan, Jude Law fan, but he is brilliant in this because because he's lost the use of his legs and he's kind of lost the thing he was destined to do. Yeah. He's this very bitter uh, man who's, you know, hates life. And it takes a while, I think, for Ethan Hawke to sort of win him over and say, look, can... He's basically saying, "Can I just be you? I'm, yeah. I want to be you to if you do my be... dream because you can't do your dream because of the loss yeah. of your legs." If you can't be you, let me be you. Yeah, yeah. and I think eventually they kind of work together on it. But um, yeah, it's such a, it's so good. It's so so good. Okay. And yeah, again, shout out to Mike for this because I don't think, I I don't think if I hadn't have been shown that, I don't think at any point of my life this has been recommended to me. And I okay. don't think I've seen it on telly. I don't think I've seen it on anywhere else. So to kind of be recommended it and love it and, you know, sort this out. And I've got the Blu-ray now. Um, I, I try and recommend it as much as I can for people to see it. I tell you what, I always get this confused with, or not, sorry, not confused, but like, I always get this and contact confused. Right. Okay. Jodie Foster. Yeah, that's right, because uh, that's obviously the same year as well. And I remember, like, um, I remember seeing posters for it and stuff like that in in UCI. Um, but I think I, I don't know about you, but I think people are put off by science fiction films. Yeah, I think so. I think as well I, the name. I I really think the name Gattaca, because you don't necessarily what does that mean? Yeah, um, it, is it some it, sci-fi it, techno babble? <laughs> and... If it was a if it was a hand-holding film called. The film about people overcoming their difficulties, starring Jude Law and <laughs> Ethan Hawke, set in the future. Like, yeah, oh, exactly. What's, what's what's that film about? Like, yeah, because I think if this was a generic name, like a generic sci-fi name, I I think I don't think this would get picked up either. No, but I think I think the name throw may throw people off, but. I think if you even just read the synopsis, I think that's so intriguing enough that it's worth the watch. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I that's my that's my number one, and it was always okay. going to be my number one. Um, I absolutely love it. So over to you for your number one, and is it Flubber? Uh, it is. Now, <laughs> you know, we've all been there. We've all put together a chemical solution that ultimately, you know, 
reacts to things and makes basketball teams fly and makes your car fly and you know to try and win back a field so we've all been there so this is a film that really probably didn't speak to me as a child but as an adult really spoke to me on so many levels so <laughs> Oh, uh, that was a, that was a great film to be fair like but, um... <laughs> well i meant to mention it because me, me and nathan did the coen brothers episode and he was like yeah we really need to do a flubber episode <laughs> like a revisiting so i i still need to I, I write that down and get that sorted out that'd be quite fun to do <laughs> so it's not flubber however <laughs> it is a film starring robin williams right cool and yeah, it yeah. is it is gus van sands Goodwill Hunting. Nice. Good choice. And it is it is quite, it's quite funny now if you think about it because in the same year that Robin Williams did Flubber <laughs> <laughs> he also did Goodwill Hunting which he won an Oscar for. Like it is yeah. probably know, one talk, of his best straight we roles talk, as well. We we talked about John Malkovich and Harrison Ford. Take yeah. a step back. Robin Williams the king of, you know, the Do anything. The multi- yeah, he can he can he can do a fun Disney film where he's a, a mad professor who creates this green, rubbery you know creature, and he also can be a genie. Play, can be a genie. He can play you know a guy who's been trapped in a board game. He oh mate, he is he is one of those genuine people that is like devastating loss. Like it was yeah, just, genuinely. yeah, ma- massively when you look at his back catalogue. But uh, but yeah, I'm really surp- I'm really surprised this wasn't even in your top five to be fair because I absolutely. King loved this film. Like I think this is uh, again, this is one of these films where it took me by surprise because it's Robin Williams, yeah. and me and you have spoken about it before. We grew up on Robin Williams in Jumanji and Mrs. Doubtfire and Flubber. You know, he is that funny guy. He's that you know that kooky cat. He's the genie from the Aladdin. You know, he's that kooky, uh, you know, dynamic character where it's like, oh, this is like you said, it's a, it's a straight shooting story he is hmm. you know a, a straight shooter you know he, he is still quite a dynamic character in this but not like an over-the-top slapstick you know version of himself that he is in other films um but for those who haven't seen it so goodwill hunting so uh matt damon plays a south boston youth who has been put through the system he you know he's, he was a former foster child and passed from home to home uh, he works as a janitor in a university and ultimately it's actually discovered that he may be he may be somewhat of a prodigy a math prodigy but ultimately he's kind of a a product of his upbringing and he doesn't believe in his potential and as part of his um I suppose it's rehabilitation he is made to you know he's given this opportunity to become you know the, like I said this math prodigy and get, you know, utilize his uh, talent but he has to see a therapist and to deal with his anger issues and his therapist is played by Robin Williams and you know at first you know there's kind of the, the cold shoulder like doesn't say much just you know Robin Williams does all the talking sort of thing but they sort of grow and they they build a bond because it turns out that Robin Williams had pretty similar upbringing to Matt Damon's character um, and it's you know, you find out a bit more about Matt Damon's character. Why is this, you know, why is the way and stuff like that. And there's, you know, it's it's one of those really powerful things where, you know, it's uh, it's basically a guy who he has this amazing ability. He has all this potential. He's, he's a really intelligent guy. It's just unfortunately because of, you know, because of, and he even says it himself, you know, where I grew up, nobody goes to university, nobody goes to college, nobody does the things that I'm, people are telling me what I'm supposed to do because they, 
they are, you know, they say, oh, you know, you, you're a math prodigy. Where did you come from? Oh, actually, you know what? Don't worry about it kind of thing. Like he'll never, he'll never be what he, what people say he was because he'll always be a, a product of where, you know, where he grew up. Um, and, you know, he's got, uh, you know, Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, who again, that, you know, they are great supporting characters in this and that, you know, they, they are his, his kind of crew and they're his little gang that he hangs out with. Uh, and they all grow up together. They're all part of the same, you know, in the same kind of upbringing as well. And they, they see the potential in him as well, but they aren't as cynical as it in the sense of like, you, know, you can do better. You, you know, you should, you should, you know, if you've got this opportunity, take it because we'll never get out of the slums. We'll never get out of the, out of this world and stuff like that. Mm. So it's, you know, the, the whole film is, uh, you know, and he meets a, a young student at the same university played by Minnie Driver, uh, who he falls in love with. And again, this whole film, everybody around him is telling him like, you, you can do better. You are, you can do better. You've just got to, you know, you've got to overcome what it is that you've, you know, you're, how you've grown up, uh, you know, and the, the, the challenge you've had and you can do better. It's, it's you, you know, your biggest challenge is yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not to kind of spoil it, but there's one bit towards the end when there's, you know, there, there is the breakthrough in the, in the therapy sessions with Robin Williams. And, you know, it's pretty heartbreaking to be fair. It's, you know, it's, um, you know, when, you know, Robin Williams kind of really cracks Matt Damon's characters, you know, that, that kind of that, like I said, that breakthrough moment uh, It is, you know, it's it, it just a massive testament to Robin Williams and how he can play the straight man when he needs to. Um, you know, oh, mate, we, we, I know we talked about it before briefly, but one hour photo. My God, is he, he, you know, he's so good in that. So good. But again, you know, and this is, like I said, this is the peak of what he's doing, you know, your action adventure, you know, family films as well. So to be able to do this as a, as a role as well, and really nail it, it's just I, I incredible. Love the, I love the scene where he's, I think it was an ad lib scene uh, when he talks about his wife farting in bed. Yeah. And like Matt Damon is genuinely howling yeah. with laughter. Um, and that, again, is a, what you just said, a testament to Rob Williams. He can just pull something like that out of the bag. And and that is relevant to the scene that they're doing as well. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I, I've never really gelled with this film. I think it's good, but mm. I think it all hinges on Robin Williams. And I'm, I guess I'm not as huge a fan as of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. But I, it, I've saw this a long, long time ago. So I wonder if it still sort of holds up uh, if I change my views on it at all. Mm. Um, so, do you know the, yeah. do you know, do you know the story about this? As in how why they picked uh, Miramax to uh, be the distributor? So no. this was when like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were still quite new to you know the, relatively quite young to this as well. They wrote the script for um, so this was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yes, yeah, I think they won the Oscar to. for it as well. Yeah. So, and, and again, this is, you think of like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck kind of in the nineties as well. Like some of the films they were making is, it's kind of a, you know, especially Ben Affleck and stuff like some of the stuff that he made and that, but, um, but you know, they've done some amazing stuff and, you know, credit to them. I think they kind of get a bit underrated as to what it is they've been in. Um, but they, they sent the script to however many studios it was. And, Miramax was the only one who came back and said, we love it. We just want to take out the scene where Matt Damon's character gives Robin Williams a blowjob because it doesn't really fit in with the story. It's a bit bit weird, a bit creepy. And they're like, mm-hmm. cool, we want to go with you. 
And they're like, why? It's like, because you're the only people that actually responded saying you like the film who's actually read the script, whereas everybody else just seemed to go, yeah, great story. It's like, cool. Uh, right. Like, they're oh, like, no, cool. like, you guys actually read our script rather than just being like, yeah, sounds like a good story. Let's make it kind of thing. Like, you genuinely took an interest and actually had some decent notes on it. And they put they put that in as like a test to see like, yeah. if anyone is actually going to read this script and not just be like, nah, we're going to pass. Or yeah, we liked it. It's like anything you want to point out. Like, no, no, no. No, that's good. It. No, I didn't so, know that. That's quite a good little backstory then. Yeah, but I thought it was quite a funny little thing to like test studios to be like, let's put that in. Like, you know, just see, yeah, what, see if uh, you're actually reading it or not. But, um, but yeah, and again, you know, uh, pretty, you know, pretty, pretty nineties cast, pretty decent cast as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, you know, again, I think it was, uh, had a little bit of nostalgia gag, uh, nostalgia goggles on with like Robin Williams, like, Oh, you know, and yeah. then just being like, a, again, an absolute stellar straight series performance and just absolutely smashing it. And I think you're right. It, it kind of, you know, it, it, it kind of hangs on that because of that. Nice. No, it's a good one. It is a great shout. I know it is a lot of people love this. I and perhaps need to go back to this. So maybe this is my question mark one to go back to because I do love Robin Williams. I don't think I've seen it after he's died, I think. No. Um, uh, so it might be is, slightly different viewing this time around. Uh, this is one of the this is one of the ones I watched but like straight away after after he died and that to uh, to reminisce in that. But the um you have you ever seen Step Brothers? Yeah, you always go on about Step Brothers. I know, I mean, I know that I, I, I absolutely love that film, but there's one bit in it which is just so dumb, but I love it because I also love this film. When uh, uh, when Brennan and Adele are made to go see therapists, they're like, you know, tell me about it. It's like, yeah, so I work at a school, I'm a janitor, but I'm really good at maths. Um, <laughs> and they're like, sorry, is this, are you describing the plot of Goodwill Hunting? He's like, no, no. It's like I think you're talking about Goodwill Hunting. He's like, no, no. Any... Anyway, my best friend is Ben Affleck, and uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's such a dumb little thing. But I, I, I just remember loving that because it was just like, yeah, I love, I love Good Goodwill Hunting. It was just funny to throw that in. But, um, nice. but yeah, Good Goodwill Hunting, my thumbs up, 1997. If it had been a case that terrorists have taken over the therapy session. <laughs> You know, it turns out that Matt Damon has to attend therapy, but it's on a plane. <laughs> and Robin Williams is a president. Yeah, it would have maybe, you know, it would have swung it a bit more. But I think being in an office, I think that kind of did it. Yeah, it was, it was a bit more sensible as well. That's so, fair. Yeah. That's a fair one. It might have been a bit too much. Yeah, could have done with some more guitar riffs, maybe. <laughs> but, but oh well. <laughs> Can't have it all, mate. Absolutely. Uh, nice. Good list. I think it's a quite a varied risk. I don't think we had an overlap, which is no. quite rare, actually. Um, but I wonder if we're going to have an overlap on our honorable, honorable mentions. So okay. I'll throw it to you then for your quick five of uh, ones that didn't quite make the list. So uh, have you ever seen Mrs. Brown? Mrs. Brown's Boys? No, fuck that. Fuck Mrs. that stupid Brown. program. Stupid program. Mrs. Brown. <laughs> no. So... It's uh, uh, Billy Connolly and uh, Judy Dench. Oh yes, I have. Yes. Yeah, and it's the it's the story of uh, ultimately uh, Judy Dench plays uh, Queen Victoria. It's after uh, her husband Albert dies, and uh, Billy Connolly plays her kind of uh, confidant, you know, like assistant, whatever stuff like that. It's, it's, it's one of those films that I remember watching with my mum and dad as a kid. And then not being a kid, like not necessarily a kid's film, but being like, I really enjoyed that. Cause it, and also yeah, it's Billy Connolly. And it's Billy Connolly. And it's like, I remember Billy Connolly because it's funny. And it's like, it's actually, you know what? You know, those films you watch as a kid that 
or probably you know not for you that would be like yeah the, the other film i remember that's like that is uh good night mr tom yeah oh, mate, Do you remember that hot, film mate. how good is good night mr tom <laughs> mate and it was that film like we're slightly too young to watch it yeah although we, i would say it's like a full-on adult film but it's a bit. Some of the stuff is harrowing. Absolute heartbreaker that film. Oh. John John Thor, isn't it? Just that's it. oh, mate, that film is. That's a heartbreaker film. That is. Um, so yeah, Mrs. Brown. Uh, I remember uh, thinking that was a great one. Fierce Creatures. Oh, what is that? So Fierce Creatures is. Have you ever seen a fish called Wonder? Yes. Yes. So it's 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 the Monty Python. Uh, alumni and Kevin Klein, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, so it's um, it's it's John Cleese, Eric Idle, like you know, like I said, the, yeah. the Monty the Monty Python gang and um, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, Michael Paley. Michael Paley, that's it. They are they they uh, work in a zoo in a in a, in a zoo and they a zoo, zoo keeper stuff like that. And Kevin Klein and his billionaire father buy the zoo base or no they say they own the zoo but they want to close down the zoo because it's not making much money but they also want to revamp the zoo as well as one last shot but kind of make it a bit sort of over the top and silly and glamorous um and it's just yeah if, if you like fish called wonder it's that kind of same you know same kind of humor and stuff like that and it's uh, again it's a film i remember watching as a kid with my parents and thinking actually there's quite a funny film and stuff like that it's obviously half the jokes were over the, over my head and obviously you know you know not meant for kids and stuff but it yeah. just remember being, being quite a funny film and again it's got quite a you know it's got um oh god uh it's got one of the two runnies in it i can't remember which one which one it is though but it's you know it's got quite a cool little british uh, cast as well in it but um but yeah that's one to, to kind of check out uh, number three honorable mention is Men in Black. Can't go back. You can't go bad with Men in Black. You know, so again, bit of a so good, so so good. Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith fighting aliens in a secret agency. Can't go wrong. Uh, the uh, number four was, and I, I kind of um, kind of surprised that this wasn't on your list, or it might be actually. To be fair, it might be on your honorable mentions. Austin Powers. <laughs> only because yeah. only because and I watch, I rewatched this recently and I think I texted you about it. After listening to your James Bond James Bond episodes, I think I appreciate Austin Powers more because as dumb as it is, if they put the things that were in an Austin Powers film in a James Bond film, it wouldn't go amiss. Especially sorry, especially <laughs> the old the, the classic Bond films. Yeah. It's Austin Powers is a piss take of classic Bond. But it could be just another Bond because it's that silly and just like how ridiculous it, it is. It doesn't take just... it that far from like no, the, from it what it is, does it? It just takes it a little bit further I, to make it I, ridiculous. I absolutely love the episodes that you've done, like the 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 you know the the, the flashbacks of the James Bond. But just watching Austin Powers again, you kind of go, "This isn't far off. It really, isn't far off." Some of the stuff they used to do, but I just go. love and the fact, just like. Um... They make is that isn't is it this Austin Powers where in the Bond films they're notorious for bringing sharks in for, for yeah, like, whatever yeah. reason and they get dolphins because they can't afford sharks or something. Yeah, it's uh, uh, mutated sea bass and it's like yeah, <laughs> sh sharks are endangered so we're not allowed to use them anymore. It's just it's it's things like that you like wouldn't put it past them, but there you go. Yeah. Um, the last one is Donnie Brasco. Oh, I love Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco, so. Johnny Depp, uh, true story of uh, undercover cop in the seventies, um, who's 
ultimately infiltrating uh, the mafia uh, and makes, you know, becomes quite close with uh, Al Pacino. Um, there's one scene in a Japanese restaurant which is brutal. Yes. Absolutely brutal. Uh, but yeah, it it didn't make my top five because I haven't it's I haven't seen it in a very 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 long time. But I I think I've probably only seen it once. But I remember being like, oh, that was you know really good. And again, it's Johnny Depp. You don't really associate him with the kind of crime thrillers, especially especially in the middle of the nineties when it was like again sort of that peak Tim Burtony films that he was making as well. So for him to do a completely biographical crime thriller, which you know is pretty you know at the ordinary film at that time. Um, and it's Al Pacino. It's Al Pacino. That's yeah. That's, that's all. That's all that matters. Yeah. It's 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 um it's a great film and a good yeah. or, origin story for Donnie Darko as well. It's his brother. Nice, <laughs> 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 nice. Nice. That's a solid list. Uh, there was a few overlaps. I mean, Men in Black. Yeah, definitely one of the childhood films. I remember it was one of those films that um it was used to have like. To be you would stay over your friend's house as a kid and you'd watch Men in Black. Yeah. I just remember watching that like, fucking yes, it's brilliant. Um, so I've got a few actually. Um, so LA Confidential, which I thought would have been in one of our, li- it nearly... Um, Still not seen it. Oh, okay. So I mean, you've got a lot of recommends already, so no. I don't want to add too much, but LA Confidential is brilliant. I love that setting of like early Hollywood it's we've um, talked about we've talked about this before weren't it when like when me and you were like so high on la noir it was like yeah yeah i'm gonna go watch this film and then this film and then this film and yeah. like watch like the black dahlia and it was just like yeah, I need it's to watch perfect this film. And, it's... and then the video game was shit the ending yeah. was shit and it was like well that's that's my that's my splurge and this yeah. film's done Ruined. like yeah but it's, it's so good it's, it's 50s la and you've got kevin spacey russell crowe guy pierce kim basinger danny, danny devito as well um, but what it what why it's really good is Guy Pierce is kind of the brains of the operation. He teams up with Russell Crowe, who's the brawn, and how they work together to find out um, uh, what's gone on around this whole. There's a whole shooting in a diner, I think it is, and how that all pans out and all the twists and turns that come with that. Brilliant, brilliant film, um, and I, I nearly put that in my top five actually. Um, in fact, if I hadn't have seen Lost Highway recently, I probably would have had that as a okay. nostalgia viewing, I think. Um, I thought this might have been in there, seeing as you're a big uh, Nick Cage fan, a face-off. Do you know what? Not, I'm not overly a fan of it. Oh, mate, face-off is is brilliant because it's absolutely ridiculous. It, it, and, that, it, it, and also, it, it, I think they're really good acting and at playing each other. <laughs> My 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 biggest thing about Face Off, and it, it don't get me wrong, you have to take your pinch of salt. The fact yes. that I love Air Force, the love that I fact, the fact that I love Air Force One and Connor. Yeah, the fact that you're now snotty enough know, for Face Off. Like, who the fuck are you, mate? I know, and like, it's really, it's really stupid. But even as a kid, I remember being like, for well, surely their bodies are different. Like, there's like. hundred percent. If I if I put my face on your body, people are going to go, oh my god, it's Max. They're going to go. The fuck has Max done to his like? What, what's Jack done to his beard? Like, what's Jack done to his hair? Like, it's one of those things as a kid where it's just like, but they've got different bodies. Like. <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent, totally <laughs> mentally stupid, but it's funny. And Nick Cage for me is possibly his best 
dumb Nick Cage performance. Yeah. Like when he's like, <laughs> when, yeah, when he's, he's doing the in, dressed as the priest or whatever it is. It's so dumb. Um, but it's pure, full, fully blown, full metal Cage uh, in this film. It's so good. Um, uh, a couple of others I've got is Copland. Have you seen? Copland? Oh no! Is that is that Stallone? Yeah, and Stallone in actually a really well acted Stallone in this as well. Um, this, this, this is a long list. <laughs> there's so many. Um, he plays kind of like this. He's kind of like chubby, I guess, for Stallone. As Stallone goes, um, he's kind of this naive, like happy. Plotland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's kind of this like naive, like trying to be a nice guy uh, cop who's surrounded by corrupt cops, basically, and gets caught up in something. Um, but again, it's really, really good film. Really underrated from Stallone as well. Like I said, he's a really good actor in this. Because, um, you know, he's generically typecast as the action hero with Rambo yeah. and um, and the Rocky films as well. Um, so it's nice to see him as kind of a dumbed down character. Um, Harvey Keitel, Robert De Niro's in this and Ray Liotta's in this. So a lot of gangster um, actors, I would say, that yeah. are in this as well. But um, really underrated film. So, yeah, I had to throw okay. Copland in. Um, one you actually mentioned in this episode was Contact which I think is a really good film and is a, another inspiration for Interstellar because it is kind of talking about communication across um, yeah. space and time yeah. and space. And it's very similar. And obviously McConaughey's in both of these films, he's yes. in this and Interstellar. So actually surprisingly um, good. I mean, there is some dated 90s CGI in it, um, but you kind of let that go to the side slightly but the story is what's the best about that is, i would say is it is it dot matrix as well is it dot matrix computers and stuff like green, <laughs> like black screens with green charts yeah and yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's all that stuff and like moving bars and up and yeah. down the screen and all that yeah. stuff but yeah it's, it's good it still holds up relatively well um my obscure um film that i wouldn't recommend to anyone to watch but i'm recommending to you now anyway is funny games um I think we've talked about funny games before. They remade I've, it, didn't they? So the, the same director remade it for shot a British for British yeah. audience or English speaking audience, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's probably the most anxiety inducing film where you think things are going to stop oh, and mate. change. It just doesn't. Um, basically about two psychotic young men that take a whole family hostage while they're on a vacation um, and basically My just toy with them like a cat and mouse. Never, um, never lend your neighbours eggs. If they come around your house and ask for <laughs> eggs, close the door on them. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's so. It, it. I know. I'm sure we've spoken about this before, but it's just so. It's like you just want to turn film. it off. You just want to turn it off. What's the one you talked about a little while ago with the uh, the chavs in a forest? Oh, Eden Lake. Yeah, same thing. Where it's just like it's scary because it could happen. What if you just got. Yeah. It, what if, they, what if someone came around, asked for something, and then just didn't leave? That's yeah. literally what it is. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, uh, can you go now? And they just what, don't. And, and, that, and that's why I have a ring doorbell. <laughs> what do you want? Shout, shout it through the letterbox. <laughs> what do you want? Don't kill just, me. Just feed my takeaway through the letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> slice, pizza slice by slice through the mailbox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a few really stupid quick ones. Um, Full Monty, 
good film. Yes. Devil's yeah. Advocate, not bad. Uh, Liar Liar, you mentioned as well. Yeah. I think it's good. Um, and I think that is pretty much it. I've put, I, I mean, Titanic. Did we talk Never about Titanic? It. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's like, it's definitely not in honorable mentions, but I mean, it's probably the biggest film that came out in 97, let's be honest. Um, I'm sure you haven't seen it or at least seen part. You must have seen parts of it on telly or in passing or something. I know what happens at the end. <laughs> what, you I mean the big, the, the big, you know, thing that happened in real life, you mean? Yeah, that, that's, I think that's quite common knowledge, isn't it? But, the, um, <laughs> but there was a, I mean, there was a lot of, it was, this was quite a hard honourable mention one. Again, I think this is because it, it tiptoes around that nostalgia slash brilliant film. So, yeah. I'll just, if you don't mind, I'll just quickly reel up a couple. Yeah, I've got of course. As well, uh, kiss the girls. Or is this um, Morgan Freeman? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, sorry, it's uh, Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd. It's, yes, that's, yeah. There was a there was a time a couple of years ago, and I, th- I think I mentioned to you, I got really into like the nineties, like. I think I watched Seven, and it was like uh, Netflix was like, if you like Seven, you like these films. And it was like this, The Bone Collector. Yes. Yeah. There was like uh, the Spider. Along came a spider. That's it. Yeah. There was like all these films that I watched back to back because they were like these nineties slash early thousands crime thrillers, and it was like, oh my god, these are so good. But yeah, Kiss the Girls, absolutely brilliant. You know, if you like that kind of. Um, Nowhere, obviously, not on the same par as Seven with regards to House of Disney. Yeah. But if you yeah. like that, if you like that, you know, serial killer mystery sort of thriller, that again, Morgan Freeman, absolutely brilliant. Um, Speed Two, which was okay. No, no, <laughs> no don't Mate, say Willem, that. Willem Dafoe is brilliant in that. I like that film. Yeah, but it's the same character. It's not Keanu. I, I know. It's, I know. No, I know. it's um, it, Jason it, Patrick, but, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Uh, you've got uh, Bean. I liked Bean. I thought Bean was good. Bean I was always love the scene where hes they think he's got a gun and it's his hand as a gun <laughs> yeah. and he has to lower it to the floor. <laughs> Running so through the airport on it. So um, George of the Jungle. Again, that was Classic one that I remember. I remember watching that in uh, the cinema as a kid. Absolutely loved it. Hercules. Yeah, so I've seen Hercules as a kid and i've never seen it since so i don't oh, know if I, I i don't remember if I, I actually liked it or not hercules was one of the uh one of the films a kid i was like obsessed with like absolutely loved it uh but you know for, for a phase in that absolutely loved hercules uh starship troopers not seen it that's a good starship troopers is a banging good b movie 90s b movie like piss take of like okay. b movie and stuff like that it is it is very good it's one of those it's one of those ones where it's got loads of sequels that are just like made for TV or very low budget, which is really weird considering the fact that it's quite a cult film. Mm, yeah. And I, and I can see it again. It's one of those ones I can see genuinely getting a reboot at some point because it's, it's okay. It's fresh for that kind of thing. I think, I think they could have a lot of fun with it. Um, there's a cartoon. I'm pretty sure there's a cartoon on it as well. These beyond sky one that was um, pretty decent as well. Um, and the last one, which I'm really surprised that you hadn't mentioned but I reckon that it's because you're going to do it next on your episode, your Bond review. Yeah. It's Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, I've kind of purposely not yeah, talked about it. Yeah, that's fair so, enough. That's fine. It's, it's very much, don't get me wrong, it's a Bond film, mate. It's, you know, 
Um, but I'm good. it's the next episode, so I'm going to save what I think for it, of it on the next episode. Yeah, that um, we I think I feel like we've talked about it before, but maybe we've talked it off off pod. But that it's like a very it's a very relevant story for today. Oh, it's, a, it's a very it's a very head of its time in the sense of media controlled fake news. Fake All news, this, yes. Yeah. Bond versus fake news. Yeah, that's literally it. Yeah. But it's Bond versus uh, Rupert Murdoch. That's what this yeah. film's about. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a Bond film. I love it regardless. So um, Te- terrible video game though. I love the video game, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna gush over it on the episode because I uh, I the thing the reason why is I know you loved Goldeneye because you oh, mate. Before, and I didn't, so I was like, this is my Goldeneye, <laughs> and it just wasn't as good. I don't think it had no. multiplayer, or certainly not as good as Goldeneye. Um, so yeah, okay, so what actually? Because I so I can't speak about tomorrow never dies, but what do you think of the film? Um, <clears throat> I love it. Uh, I think it's. For me, I think it's the second best Pierce Brosnan Bond film. Uh, I love, absolutely love Goldeneye. Goldeneye number one, without a doubt. But I think World World is not enough is good, but I, it's not. I don't know. It's 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 you know. And obviously, let's never talk about Die Another Day. Um, but yeah, I think Tomorrow Never Dies. I think, like I said, given the fact of what the storyline is, and it's twenty four years old, and how prevalent it is now from a sense of you know. The villain isn't well, obviously he wants world domination and all that, but he's not doing it in the traditional way. He's manipulating the news and getting people on his side by making fake news, which is quite yeah. prevalent. It's quite yeah. it's it's life imitating art, you know, with fake news and stuff. I think it's you know quite um, yeah quite prominent. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it's really good. Nice, yeah. Nice. Uh, cool. I think this has been quite a good episode. We've talked about loads of films on this one, which is good. Normally, there's at least like two or three overlaps where we just talk about the same film, which is makes a change. So um, before we do our homework, I'm going to randomise the year for next time. So the year that we're going to talk about next is 1991. Now, I feel like this is going to be a year, you know, we were way too young to see films at that time at the cinema. Um, so I imagine this, a lot of these are going to be maybe childhood ones as yeah. we got a bit older uh, or maybe some classic ones as we got even older and we look back to, and, and watch. So I know there's a few rumbling around in my head at the minute, um, but where they lie as regards to top five, I'm not sure about. So okay. that'll be that'll be another interesting one, another '90s one to go through. So before we go, then we're going to give each other our homework to go and watch. Okay. So you've got quite a lot of that yeah, there. Got... So maybe maybe not decide one, just pick one off of air and bring that to the next episode okay. as one to talk about. Okay, and that'll be a nice surprise. I would like you to go and watch rewatch. Um, I'd like you to go and rewatch Jackie Brown. Yes. Okay. Brilliant. I'm glad you said that because it's been it's been so long that I I, I remember vague bits. Like I said, I remember the intro so well. I don't yeah. really remember the story that that well. Um, so yeah, I'll happily take Jackie Brown. Yeah, cool. Um, cool. Okay. Brilliant. So I'll take that one, and then I'm intrigued to see out of the list you've got which one you're gonna 
pick. If you do manage to see all five, that would be incredible. And then you well, can bring whatever down, one's your favourite. I've written down seven films, mate, to be fair. Seven? So, so read them yeah. back then. So it's obviously my top five, all the other two. So uh, the top five plus LA Confidential and Copland. Ah, nice. Okay. So I might just set up the TV and the laptop next to each other and just watch two at once and just like <laughs> max, maximize my viewing and just do two films at once and all that so. i don't blame it that's good, that's good going that's good going well, maybe, maybe watch a third on my on my phone just be like <laughs> making notes of all three <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> nice okay well thanks again for another great episode today and um next time we'll talk about 1991 look forward um, to it chat to you then see you soon cheers bye